Oh, hey, look, pot of coffee. So, oh, that might not be a current pot of coffee. Maybe a two-day-old pot of coffee. That's all right. What the hell? We'll just nuke it up and it'll taste just fine. Saltwater Sportsman Magazine. NRA is asking for more donations. What the hell is this? What's Gary reading nowadays? I don't worry about this guy. What is he reading this NRA business stuff? Saltwater Sportsman. Where have I heard that before? I've heard that somewhere. Huh. What the hell is, uh, what the hell is Chris and Lee doing in studio today? I don't remember bringing. Why are they staring? Oh, hey, hey, why are they staring at me? It's weird. Why are you guys looking at me like that? What's with the look? It's weird. Did I forget? You know, I got, I must have forgot something. Where the hell is Kenny? Kenny! Where's Kenny? Where's, you know, something doesn't seem quite right. Where's Gary, guys? This seems very familiar. What the hell is today? What the hell is today? What is today? Oh, crap. Damn it. Damn it. You set me up again. Can't be that tall. Oh, it's I didn't think it was. It's too early. There's no way. This is too early. That's right, Dell. Get ready, because it's time for another craptastic birthday adventure. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Shut up. Oh. tradition here at the Brothers in Armchairs podcast is to give full creative control of an episode dedicated to the host's birthday. As it is my birthday, Dell has graciously given me full creative control to create a show of my own. For my show, I wanted to take everyone on a trip down memory lane, featuring two lesser-known movies that have played a significant role in shaping my movie tastes. To refresh your memory, my last two birthday shows covered five awesomely awesome films, High Spirits from 1988, Madhouse from 1990, Noises Off 1992, The Hand That Rocks the Cradle 1992, and Stay Tuned 1992. Apparently 1992 is a very big year for Kenny. So I'm your host, Kenny, and with me today is my captive brother, Dell. Yeah, good times. Good times to be had. You know what? Next time, just, just stab me in the eyes, man. Just, just get it over with. So I don't got to do these shows anymore. Oh, come on. It's the crap corner, baby. Look at that litany of garbage you just read. Hey, you gave one of those movies a play. So was... was that Noises Off? Yeah, it was the only that one. Was, okay, okay. Well, yeah, but how bad were the Madhouse? I yeah. will never forgive you for Madhouse. Yeah, I'll never live that one down. <laughs> <laughs> All right, to help me and old sourpuss here out with our discussion today, <laughs> I've invited a couple of guests. First up, he is a comic enthusiast, WBU alumni, a connoisseur of fine cigars, a husband, father, and a brother from the U.S. Army. Christopher, welcome aboard. Is my buyout uh, probation over? I'm welcome back. I'm back. Yeah, you're back, baby. <laughs> I'm glad to be here, man. Jeez, man. Jail. So what was, the, what was the last time you were on the show? Sergeant Bilko. Uh, Sergeant Bilko, yeah. Was it Bilko? Wow. Yeah. Man, wow. Know, man. Yeah. I thought I'd well, say some offensive. Well, you you had us you had us review Bilko. That that's what happened. I mean, no, he came up with that ridiculous <laughs> uh that ridiculous theory, fan theory, right? That I had to cut out that it was about uh, how the army was. Oh, uh, that's yeah. right. That's right. 
That's right. You're not supposed to say that stuff online, bro. You're supposed to be the archives. Off the cuff fan theory. That's right. And stood by it too. Stood by. I give you credit. I give you credit I for mean, that. That's right. If you're gonna tell a lie, you gotta stand by that lie. <laughs> Theories are not lies. They're just unconfirmed truths. <laughs> I like it. So, I Chris, like I gotta it. ask: Is the uh, Kenny counter in full effect today? We are standing strong at three minutes and eighteen seconds, baby. I'm gonna try my best. Not, I'm gonna try my best to become Look, he as agreeable as I can. He's showing the counter. <laughs> he actually <laughs> has a counter. Because it's only it's only a matter of time before he says something off the wall. And I'm just gonna lose my shit. <laughs> For you folks out there, the Kenny counter is a counter Chris keeps, uh, and he'll stop it when Kenny says something that offends him, and it always happens. We're just we just wait till he he'll just cut off the show and announce that the counter has stopped. <laughs> it's the question of when it happens, right? That's right. Not, it's when. not a it's not a, a win so much as an if, right? No, well, no. our last maybe, our last show it happened so early <laughs> that he had to restart the clock. I think we were, I think we were like in the in the prologue, bro. We didn't even get <laughs> right. we didn't even get into the topic. Was that the Cruella one? Is that is yes. that the episode where he? Yes, <laughs> it was Cruella. That's right. All right, next up, she is an educator of young minds, a horror film enthusiast, a friend of the podcast, and most importantly, a lifelong friend of mine, Lee. Welcome aboard. Hey, y'all. I missed you guys. <laughs> Lee is our East Coast representative. How is life on That's the right. East Coast? <laughs> oh, you know, we're just living the dream out here in Florida. We'll be down there in Florida, right? Everything's up, okay? Everything's up. <laughs> up well, I've heard the DeSantis, you know, everything. Florida is an example to the rest of the country. I've heard this. Mm, aren't we, though? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think we want to do that podcast. <laughs> well, Florida definitely covers the entertainment factor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Everything that comes out, everything that comes out of Florida sounds like it should it should be in the National Enquirer because you're like this shit could not have happened, bro. And it did, right? Right. That's like my daily life, dude. It's just like my daily life between living in Florida and teaching high school. It's kind of like, really, that's how you live. So my sister would tell you that it's just because Florida has a better publicist, not that more crap happens in Florida. I say it's because of Twitter. Sure. I, I think the bottom line is when interesting things happen, word gets out. Absolutely. Fast. Real quick. Fast. <laughs> it's like suddenly we're a TikTok craze. If you guys ever get a chance to watch Atlanta in this episode called The Florida Man, and he's explaining what the Florida Man is, and I'll shoot you guys the, the link later on. And he, he he starts talking about crazy things that's happened in real life. But every time they describe it, it's a Florida man does this. You got to watch out for Florida man. I really have to watch that show. I've seen a lot of clips lately, and that show looks really good. Yeah, I want to watch it too. It's a good show. Just, I is. like I like Zazzy Beats, so I kind of want to watch it just for Zazzy Beats. <laughs> yeah. So, Lee, when was the last time you were on the show? Um, I want to say it was. I've done little snippets here and there, but I think the last time I was physically on the show was, um, the devil made me do it. The Conjuring oh, 3. Oh, wow. The yeah, Conjuring, the Conjuring yeah, 3. Yeah, okay. Yeah, wow. I think that was the last time I was physically on the show. I've done little snippets here and there, but that was the last time I was right. like actively so present. So it's been a little bit for both of you. It's It's been a hot minute. I mean, yeah, you, guys, you guys are handing out bands like, it ain't, like candy out here, man. <laughs> time has been a huge factor for us. It yeah. has been very difficult for us to record lately. Yeah, but 
but it's great to have you both on the show. I know it's been a long time. Uh, this is this is the first time we have you both at the same time. I think no, it's- no. No. no, no. I think we, we did the uh, Justice League. I think it was the last one we did together. Yep. That's oh, the panel. The, oh, that's right. The panel. We got to do another panel. We were thinking about a Game of Thrones one. So I'm all she's for laughing. It. Have yeah. you seen it? You haven't seen it, right, Lee? Oh, I've seen all of it. You've seen all oh, of it? Oh, yeah. okay. I, I, I just did my third watch. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, ago. Chris has seen it multiple times. And Chris has Chris has a lot of opinions on that. Chris, I know do you this. not have children? I'm a four year which is why I'm able to watch Game oh, of Thrones okay. at home. That makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, how did you do that? Del and I just discussed it not too long ago, and I I rewatched it for the second time all the way through with with my wife. And in the end, we came to the decision that everything works except the last episode. Everything works but that last episode. I agree. But I digress. Do I? We (laughs) We will have to put this panel together. We just need to find a person that has never seen a single frame of Game of Thrones to really round out the panel. Well, there is oh. one person, but with Arnez, right? Yeah, but he good luck getting him to watch. I mean, he hates <laughs> yes, Lord of the Rings. This is a well, guy. You're even not if we get, even if we Thrones. got him to watch Game of Thrones, he's still getting him on the show back on the podcast will be tough. Yeah, I guess yeah, he's, that's a, true. he's a busy dude. He never <laughs> finished Lord of the Rings. He only watched the Fellowship. That's the only one he watched was Fellowship Three. He never watched the other two. Yeah, there's a really reason why. And like ten years removed too, man. Ten years too. You need to watch them all in its four-hour versions. <laughs> oh God, the best one. That, uh, that's director's right. cut. That yes, four hours. <laughs> Those movies are so horrible, bro. Those movies that's are horrible. Twelve man. hours. Twelve Hobbit hours. Singing awesome, awesomeness. That's gonna be my birthday episode. You guys want to come back for that? No, <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no. Nah. Uh, movies are horrible, dude. You know what, Dell? I will come back for that episode. But you know what? I need to have dinner at your house when we do it. So you're going to need to bring me out there for that. Yeah. Well, bring you out here. Well, what do you think? We make money on this show? We don't make <laughs> cash at hand here. Hey, 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 we got sponsors today, Dell. Sponsors. <laughs> yes, yeah, sponsors right. today. Right. <laughs> All right. So let's begin. And once again, let me take you to the video store of yesteryear and browse those titles that time has forgotten. And I definitely. Wish you would let me forget them. <laughs> Before we get started, please hit the subscribe button and give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We've heard subscribing to this podcast will help them get in touch with their inner child through the power of film. Uh, and I'm helping me. I'm being held by hostage to, to say this. Uh, <laughs> I didn't volunteer for this. Just read the line, Chris. <laughs> Just read uh, the line. No, no. <laughs> Show, y'all. There you go. There you go. Put on your 3D glasses now. 3D glasses not included. As you might recall, my life plays out in a movie-related timeline. Movies are my time capsules, and I love each one for a specific reason. Of course, not all of my time capsule movies were blockbusters. Many of them were box office flops or generally not loved by movie enthusiasts and eventually landed in the realm of film obscurity. Over the years, I have curated these obscure movies in their various formats that technology has long surpassed, 
like Beta, VHS, Laserdisc, VHD, and DVD. Dell jokingly refers to this part of my vast movie collection as Kenny's Crap Corner. Today's show, similar to last year, is based on two selections from my Crap Corner of movies and the time capsule that opens every time I watch them. Both of these films are ones that time and people are desperately trying to get you to forget. For today's feature films, I'm going to take you on a little ride through my personal life where I first realized I fell in love with a really odd film. Both films for today's podcast are also celebrating anniversaries this year, and therefore today's show will follow the style of our anniversary episodes. Our feature movies today are two films celebrating 40 years, 1983's Space Hunter Adventures in the Forbidden Zone and Jaws 3D. After a successful run in the 1950s, 3D movies came back in the 80s in a big way. The 80s 3D craze started in 1981 with the cult western Coming At Ya, a gimmick film whose title had nothing to do with the film itself, but everything to do with the resurgence of 3D. In fact, the tagline for the movie was, Warning, the management is not responsible for where the screen ends and you begin. The film starred Tony Anthony as H.H. Hart, a man who has a bride stolen from him on the day of his wedding by two ruthless brothers who have an obsession with young women and trading them as prostitutes. Determined to get his bride back and wreak vengeance upon those that wronged him, H.H. turns to his darker side and systematically destroys the brothers' entire operation. Although the film would straddle the line between spaghetti western and 80s camp, the movie proved to be a huge hit with moviegoers and even got pulled from screens temporarily because theaters couldn't keep up with the demand for 3D glasses. The movie proved to be a smash hit in theaters with a budget of just $2.5 million. It would gross a total of $12 million domestically. Things that were coming at you in 3D included darts, guns, beans, rats, spears, grasping hands, spiders, a bowling ball, bats, gun barrels, swords, cowboys falling downstairs, a spinning yo-yo, a pinwheel, gold coins, apple peels, flaming arrows, and a baby's bottom. I do not remember this movie at all. Consequently, it's streaming for free on Tubi where I watched it in all of its cinematic glory. Do any of you guys remember this film and did you see it in the 80s? Never heard of this film. I've never heard of it. Okay, I, okay, I got lost on the 3D chucking stuff at you. Which film are you talking about? It's a movie called Coming At You from 1981. So oh, is this a film yeah. credited as like starting the 3D craze? For the 80s, yes. Really? Oh. I've yep. never oh, heard of this film. Wow, never heard of it. Nope. Yeah, I, thought um, was, I was pretty sure you were making it up. I had to go look it up. I, I thought he was describing I was trying to figure out which movie was he describing because they both had shit coming at you at the screen. The, you know, I, I don't I don't know whether to be offended or or actually, you know, excited about the fact that you guys think I would make up a whole movie. Like that's that's kind of cool. It's something that Dell and I have kicked around where we review a fake movie. But yeah, <laughs> I mean, being that not neither none of us, including yourself, had ever heard of this film. But the fact that it's streaming on Tubi makes perfect sense. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I find it surprising that you've never heard of it, Kenny. Yeah. Until, until this, because, you know, being the cinephile that you are, you know, all of this stuff. And so. We might have to track that down on 3D. I, I feel like that's going to be one of those podcasts that you guys should do so so del i sent mm, you a link for the film on idea. tubi like i did send you a link for it so you can check it out i just didn't know if you'd got around to watching it i pulled it up and i you know i clicked on it a little bit it's not a good movie without the 3d it's garbage what? i mean at Shocker. least at least with the 3d you get that you know i would assume that thrill of 3d right even though we're so far beyond that nowadays but i'd be willing to check that thing out in 3d if we can find it all right Sounds so, like something for later. 
What's your favorite 3D movie? Are you just throwing that out to everybody? Yeah, just like yeah. of all time? All time. Go. Oh, you want to go wow. first, Dell? I, I got it already. Go ahead. Piranha 3D. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that movie's awesome. Like it, and, it, and it hits you sideways with the things that happen in it. I love that movie. You should have just seen Sharknado, bro. The whole series. <laughs> it's good, better than Sharknado because it has better actors than Ian Ziering in it, okay? <laughs> Anything right, you... that's got Elizabeth Shue is automatically better. <laughs> well... Yeah, Touché. Touché. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm gonna Touché. side with them. <laughs> so for me, I'm gonna I'm gonna say Avatar two. The 3D in that is unbelievable. I haven't seen that one yet. Yeah. I haven't seen it yet either. IMAX 3D. It's great stuff. <laughs> good movie too. Great movie. Everyone should check it out. Keep trying to throw that at me. I understand. It's all good. <laughs> in the theaters, IMAX. Chris, what about you? I have never seen a 3D movie that I actually like, man. Because I always wow. feel like I get shortchanged on the 3D. It is, it's never, it just doesn't do anything for me, man. Well, so Chris, I, I got I'm the sorry. perfect more review for you, man. Avatar 2 IMAX 3D. <laughs> Check it out. No, bro. No, I'm not going to see that, man. I wait till the greatest up. animated film in history. I wait till it comes <laughs> on Tubi, man. I wait till it comes on Tubi, <laughs> bro. <laughs> Tubi. Oh, oh, man. Following the success of Coming At You, studios rushed films into production. In 1982, saw six films grace us with 3D goodness that included Parasite, Demi Moore's first major role. And Friday the 13th, part three. Like all good things, the 80s 3D craze would come to an end in 1986 with the last film to be the Michael Jackson epic Captain EO. Though short-lived, the 80s saw a total of 29 3D films, not including TV specials, with 1983 generally considered the pinnacle of the genre. 1983 had eight 3D films, all of which were considered profitable to some degree. This brings me to our episode today, when a seven-year-old Kenny went to a special double feature during the summer of 1983. During the summer months, my parents would take us to, up to New York to visit my grandparents. And in the summer of 1982, my grandfather introduced me to Jaws. He had taped it off regular TV, and he was one of the first people I knew to have a VCR. He had bought it in 1981 for a whopping $900 at the time, and it had been considered a real steal. All throughout my childhood, anytime I would visit my grandparents, they would have loads of stuff he taped off of television for me to watch. This includes all of the Hanna-Barbera cartoons we've come to love, like Space Ghost, Herculoids, Frankenstein Jr., and of course, Scooby-Doo. And at one point, I had an entire shelf of six-hour VCR tapes dedicated to things he had recorded just for me. So part of me, I wishes I had that shelf back. Like, just had and, those tapes. And the player. And yeah. the player. After watching and re-watching Jaws 1 and 2, complete with ads, over and over again, my parents decided to take me to see Jaws 3. Excuse me. Jaws 3D. When it first came out in the summer of 1983, my dad had gotten us tickets to a 3D double feature at the Willow Lawn Movie Theater in Richmond, Virginia. Willow Lawn was an older theater built in the late 50s, but was always great for special or sneak showings. I think my parents liked it because of the reasonable prices for snacks. The first showing was for a movie that had been released in May, but was still hanging around called Space Hunter Adventures in the Forbidden Zone, which was trying to cash in on the Star Wars craze. Then, a brief intermission, followed by the film, I was truly excited to see Jaws in 3D. Keep in mind, this was the early 80s, and I had never seen the first two original Jaws films uncut. My parents were a little nervous about taking me to see a horror movie, but both films had gotten PG ratings. My dad said, it'll be fine. And that was that. I had never seen a movie in 3D before, and I thought it was cool that I got these special red-blue 3D glasses and that they said I could keep them. 
I mean, a movie and a souvenir? Sweet! While Dell had been to see many movies in 1982, it was in 1983 that I would get to the theater more often, which would significantly impact my childhood. Specifically, I'd seen Return of the Jedi, Superman 3, Something Wicked This Way Comes, a movie that scared the crap out of me, by this time in my childhood. I have many vivid memories of watching this movie with my parents. I remember in one scene where Wolf rips the arm of one of the pirates and flings it at the screen that I ducked, worrying it might hit me. I also remember Jaws 3, where the English adventurer dies, and it haunted me for weeks afterward. Overall, I remember being sandwiched between my parents and spending an entire day at the theater. I had snacks, and during intermission, I got to play with other kids on the playground, and it was one of the fondest memories I had as a young kid. Do any of you remember seeing these films in the theaters in the 80s, or did you see these films at all? I did not see either one of these films um, because I saw Jaws 1. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, did you like, did you ever see Jaws 1 uncut? Is that what happened? You went and saw it like in the theater and scared the crap out of you? My sisters took me to see Jaws 1 in the movie theater. I was like, what, six? Was this like a, this must have been a re release because you weren't around when it first got released because it first got released. It was a re release. Yeah, it had to have been. It must have been a special. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't supposed to go see that. I was supposed to go see My Little Pony. <laughs> <laughs> That's where your sisters were like, we're going to take Lee to see My Little Pony. And you're all excited. Like, I'm going to see My Little Pony. And, all of a sudden, and then they're like, we're going to go see a movie about a fish. Yeah. See a class from out of space. The 3D might have blew your mind, you know, the 3D. So I saw Jaws 3D in the theater and the 3D. While hokey looking at it when it's not in 3D, when it was in 3D back then, it was really cool. I mean, that first fish head in the beginning of the film, it popped out. I mean, it it felt like it was right in front of you. So the technology for the day was good. wasn't great. It was good. It doesn't age well, but that's all it was about. It was just about entertaining us with things that were popping out of the screen. That's it. And for seven-year-old Kenny, that was amazing. (laughs) <laughs> well, yeah, but that's what it was all back then. It was all about the gratuity shot of the yeah. yeah, like Chris said, there were, I mean, they weren't good movies, right, Chris? They, pretty much all of them. They weren't good movies. They were just there to show off the 3D because that's the only reason why we watched them. Yeah. So, Chris, did you see either one of these in theaters? No, I did not because uh, I was poor growing up. So we didn't go to the movie. <laughs> At we all? We didn't go to the movie. No, my very first. The very first movie that I've seen in the movie theater was Ghostbusters and Karate Kid. And I can't remember which one was first because they came out around the same time. So, yeah, those are my first films. Well, I was about I mean, to say, I mean, yeah, if those if are your first films. That's pretty awesome. Pretty, pretty awesome. Yeah. That's a good first time out, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and that's what uh, kind of sparked the whole love for the movie theater, man, the experience, man. It was those two movies. So, no, I never saw those two movies. No, Did you see My Little Pony? <laughs> no, I remember when it came out, though. <laughs> Wait, I did not see My wait, Little Pony. Hold, hold on, hold on. Was there a My Little Pony movie back in the eighties? Of course, there was. Though. Yes, what? and a Care like, Bear movie. Like, like yeah, for, the the Care Bears, yeah. for the theaters. Yes, the Care wow, Bear that's... cares. Doing the Care Bear stare, dude. <laughs> the Care Bear cares. The Care Bear stare. That's a soundbite if I ever heard one. <laughs> so, My Little Pony the movie. Let's see. I mean, this is My Little Pony. The movie came out in 2017. That's got to be the recent one. 
I don't see where My Little Pony was in the '80s, but I'm, I'm not. I'm not doubting there was it, it, one. It could be that Jaws scarred uh, Lee so much that she. I wouldn't, really <laughs> in, I wouldn't doubt it. Her sister made Pony it up. Movie. Yeah. I was thinking I that. I was thinking of saying like, maybe she created well, a memory to replace. I wouldn't doubt it. I found. I found it. Okay, My Little Pony the movie, 1986, rated G. With the voices of Danny DeVito, Madeline Kahn, Cloris Leachman, and Ray Perlman. Um, and I'll tell you, I remember it because... Oh, Danny DeVito. <laughs> like, like, what voice was he playing? Grundle King. He was the Grundle King, apparently. He was the bad guy. Oh, okay. okay, yeah. All right. I, I was in third grade. I, well, I remember it because I was in third grade. And everybody had them stupid shirts, man. Those little model <laughs> pony shirts. That's why I knew it was a big thing. It was the backpacks, the Trapper huge. Keepers. It was a it was huge, huge deal when he came out. Yep. That's right. Interesting. I do not remember this. I don't, I don't remember, remember it either. Yeah. Uh, especially I, I in would like to say I remember it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't trust my sisters much after that. I don't blame you. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> All right. While Jaws had been the selling attraction, it was Space Hunter that I fell in love with. This was the height of Star Wars, and Space Hunter just seemed like the next cool thing. I mean, I was seven. What did I know? Space Hunter was also the film that introduced me to Molly Ringwald. And it fueled my 80s crush on her throughout the rest of the decade. I remember imagining being Wolf and rescuing Molly. And of course, in my fantasy, she'd fall helplessly in love with me. And we'd be an epic fighting duo in space. While this movie has not aged particularly well, it is one that I watch fondly and have bought in each of its incarnations. I have it on VHS, Laserdisc, DVD, Blu-ray, and I own it on iTunes. I actually digged out my Laserdisc this week. Because I wanted to see it. Jesus Christ, man. How do you find When I was watching this as my assignment that I was forced to watch for this show, by the way, I was like, <laughs> how does he come up with these movies? Like, I had never thought, never heard of it, don't remember it. It just, it was so off. Like, I just, man, you don't think know, it's bad man. now? You should. Man. Back in 1994, bad. Man, <laughs> crazy, man. You, you, you did not now. have to watch Madhouse. So right. for every amazing horror fo- film that Lee made me watch, I made her watch one of my favorite older movies, and this happened to be one I'm sure I made her watch it. So. Oh, God. <laughs> so you, it's know become... you know that's going to be a great TikTok, right? You and all those just like whipping them up. Laser disc, right? VHS. <laughs> That, that would, man, that would be a great TikTok video, bro. You just and you gotta pull out the ones that nobody knows where they are, and you gotta have the year at the bottom of. Yeah, you're gonna have to tell them because I was listening to seniors in high school talk about those video CDs the other oh, day. Nice, wow. the video uh, CDs. Those video CDs <laughs> that people watch. But they're talking I, about I, DVDs. They don't even know what a laser disc is. Right. <laughs> That's the giant video CD. That's yeah, right. The yeah. one you have to flip over midway through. They were <laughs> they were right. referring to records, LPs, as discs. Discs? I like discs. it. Black discs. I was Black like, oh, discs. Wow. Well, you know Why? what? Those those kids nowadays didn't help me out. They drove up the cost of a lot of that old me- old media. <laughs> it was cheap about a year ago. It's okay. They so, don't know what to do with it anyway. To say this movie has become an important staple in my collection is kind of an understatement. Um, but as for today's show, we are going to explore these two craptastic films, just as I remember them, as a double feature, complete with an intermission. And with that, let's dive in. Or not. <laughs> Come on, Dell. <laughs> yeah, at some point, you got to let it go, bro. Just jump in it. Go on.
Hold on to your seat. Hold on to your date. Hold on to your popcorn. The ultimate 3D movie is about to blast off. Space Hunter. Adventures in the Forbidden Zone. The first 3D space movie. Starring Peter Strauss as Wolf, an intergalactic adventurer. And Molly Ringwald as Nikki. What the hell are you? What do you think I am, you scrying earthbag? I'm a woman! Together, they must enter the deadly Forbidden Zone. <laughs> and rescue three beautiful women from the planet's ultimate evil. The Overdog. I like her. Works every time. I'll bet breeding with us would kill him. I'll take that bet. Columbia Pictures presents an adventure unlike anything you've ever witnessed before. A whole new dimension in excitement. The ultimate 3D experience. The first movie that puts you in outer space. Space Hunter. Adventures in the Forbidden Zone. In 3D. Space Hunter Adventures in the Forbidden Zone is one hour and 30 minutes. It's rated PG and is of the action, adventure, and sci-fi genres. It is directed by Lamont Johnson and stars Peter Strauss, Molly Ringwald, Ernie Hudson, and Michael Ironside. Made on a budget of $12 million, which is $36 million by today's money, this ballooned to $16 million when the studio opted to produce the film in 3D, and the film went on to gross $16.5 million, just <laughs> barely making its money back. It was the number one movie in America on its opening weekend, grossing $7 million and beating out the likes of Blue Thunder, Flashdance, and E.T. in its 50th week in theater. I was about to say, you better say that. <laughs> you better say how long that that movie was in the theater. Of course, it was probably it has something to do with the fact that the film came out one week prior to the final chapter in the original Star Wars trilogy, Return of the Jedi. And as you might expect, this was on purpose. Columbia Pictures wanted to capitalize on, on the Star Wars phenomenon. And the following week noted a steep decline in revenue. <laughs> Currently, it has the notorious distinction of being the most expensive 80s 3D movie produced, beating out Jaws 3D by $1 million. Which is pretty significant back then. Yeah. I mean, this is like when you think about it, like you look at this movie, you immediately think low budget, right? That's the first thing you think. Of. Yes. But it's not. <laughs> they put money into this thing. Why did Where did it go? I was about to say they didn't put a lot of money into this thing. They put 16 million uh 1983 bucks into it. Yeah, 16 million 1983 bucks, bro. That's that's a lot of money, man. So Krull, which also launched in 1983, had a 50 million 1983 dollar budget. You could see it. And was a much more terrible movie. Well, it, <laughs> it, it was a better it was a much better movie, at least better looking. We gotta admit that much. And it didn't make as much money as this movie. Yeah, because this movie was better. Let's be fair. Is this the only movie that released that week? Like, was there no other choices? They couldn't this, go to My Little Pony. So this is true. It was the only movie that came out the week that it was. It was the only one. It had the weekend all to itself. You know, we talk about nice. being strategic about release dates, and this is the reason why, right here. That's yeah, right. Uh, they know. They know when them curveballs are the best time to throw a curveball, bro. They know. And to, to be fair, to talk about budget and the way it looks. I put it on the same scale as Mad Max and the Thunderdome. And I don't think that was a no. 
Yes. Yes. I'm trying to tell you. Listen, <laughs> you put them side by side and you tell me where's the difference in budget. They look exactly the Mad same. Mad Max looks good. Never. The camera, the camera work. The camera work. I'm sorry, awesome clock. I'm sorry, the Christopher awesome clock. In, in Space Hunter, they weren't even. I give you an example: the difference between Mad Max and Space Hunter. At least the cars or the vehicles in Mad Max looked unique. They, they didn't even try in Space Hunter. They just took the John Deere tractor and slapped some crap Wrangler. on it. Well, was it looked awesome. I wanted Wrangler. one of those. I wanted no. that vehicle. Come on. No. The outskirts of Arizona. Yeah, it's just on the water yeah. desert that you can't yeah. drink the water. The water desert, I'm, I'm, yes. I'm sorry. Look, man, so, I, I, listen, man, I just I just pulled up two picture steals side by side. No. And you no. cannot tell the difference between the no. two movies Horrible. and budget wise. But I'm no. trying to tell you. Praise I'm serious. No. Oh. Somebody mute his microphone. Mute his microphone. <laughs> I'm sorry. Your ban has been reenacted. <laughs> that is right. I, that is a horrible comparison. Horrible. I'm like, sorry, man. He said sorry. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, all feelings aside, man, I'm telling you, when you guys get done, but, but, but look, even, 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 I agree with him. Even, even with in him. 1983, people, people will realize very quickly what they were watching. If you go to buy the numbers, the drop-off is over 80% from oh, weekend yeah. one to weekend two. That is Work got almost, around real quick. That's almost record breaking. And this is 1983. They didn't have the internet or mobile phones. They couldn't text each other. They had to like write it on paper and pass it around hand to hand to get the word out. Yeah. And they got everybody, it in less than seven days, they got it out. They knew. But with all due respect, Del, <laughs> yeah. I mean, Return of the Jedi dropped the next week. I mean, no one went to see anything else but Return of the Jedi, and it would stay that way for like a month. They weren't going to go watch it anyway. I mean, I just, it, it was, it was and, then, and you got to remember too, man, that back then the critics' word was bond. If they said it was garbage, then Which people believed it was garbage. They believed it, except yep. the strong people who had their own minds. Then listen to critics. That yeah, we 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 listened to the critics, man. I remember that we listened <laughs> to them. I should uh, and Ebert were were. Yep. Our Lord They're and gods. Savior. I should right. find the Siskel and Ebert episode with this one in it. They blast this movie. <laughs> <laughs> so, speaking of that, the movie does sport a Rotten Tomato score of 89%. A splat. That's shockingly so high. Well. And an audience score of 36%, making it certified Kenny Crack. How many, so, how many accounts how did many you sign up this? for to raise that from like this? 1% to 36%? <laughs> I just kept going in there, kept giving it five like, stars. Kenny one, Kenny two, Kenny three. Opening but, it in different emails, giving it a different profile, you know. But it's fifty percent on IMDb. Yeah, five, I mean, five out of ten stars. Five don't out of ten ever stars, trust man. IMDb. That's there's only one rating in IMDb, and that's Kenny's. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Distributed by Columbia Pictures, a subsidiary of Sony, Space Hunter: Adventures in the Forbidden Zone was released on May twentieth, nineteen eighty three. And is celebrating its 40th anniversary. <laughs> the movie is available for streaming on Tubi and wherever you get videos on demand. So here's a quick setup regarding the film. Sets in the 22nd century, where space travel is the norm. Small-time salvage operator Wolf intercepts a message regarding the retrieval and rescue of three Earth women that have crash-landed on Terra-11 shortly after the destruction of their star cruiser. Terra-11 is a failed colony that fell victim to plague and civil war and is now in the 
Forbidden Zone. With the promise of a 3,000 mega credits reward for their rescue, Wolf heads off to Terra 11. Planet is being run by a hideous cyborg criminal known as Overdog, who has captured the three women to use in his nefarious urges. As Wolf makes his way to save the captured women, he must battle pirates, scavs, a former colleague named Washington, and enlist the help of a stranded Earth teenager by the name of Nikki. It's full lasers ahead as Wolf kills the bad guys, saves the Earth girls, and even finds a new partner in Nikki along the way. Roll credits. Yes, please roll credits. Because, <laughs> you know, the credits only took 15 minutes to roll in the yeah. first place. They were cool with the little, like, star Superman with, like, like flying you know what? Now, now that you're done with your, your, your setup, and I'm not even going to mind if Chris weighs in on this or starts this conversation, because he really should have said this comment. But how funny is it that the guy's name is Washington? Everybody else has, like, a very creative <laughs> sci- sci-fi name, right? But Ernie Hudson gets Washington. <laughs> Come on, so, man. I mean, we're even trying. I mean, we're even trying. So, every t- I really don't comment on the the tropes of the eighty because there you can just expect it, man. It's always that guy. <laughs> he's always the black guy that works in electronics. He's super smart, but he's stuck behind a computer. They got the sidekick. Why wouldn't it be Washington, man? <laughs> I mean, just, there were only three black actors in the eighties, anyway. But, it's like Louis Gossett yeah, Jr. It's, it's sad. Ernie Hudson. And a young Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> That's it. I, I, I immediately say that uh, times must have been hard for Ernie Hudson to take that role, but it had to be. <laughs> it was it was his first big role. Yeah, I was gonna say this was pre-Ghostbusters, wasn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. This was just yes. before. Yeah. But but the good thing was Hudson. Hudson, I, he had a big name for himself as a TV actor during yeah. that time. So this was like his big movie movie. This was his movie break. God bless. I like the way you say that. This is his his big movie movie. (laughs) (laughs) This is his movie break. Oh Oh, lord. Oh man. I was happy to see Ernie Hudson in this. I was like, oh, okay, I like him. It's it's a shame. I mean, mean, at least he was like a normal guy, right? He he didn't put any parts on him, or he didn't have to wear anything stupid. He was a normal dude in the thing. Yeah, 10 years later, <laughs> we would do another anniversary film called The Hand That Rocks the Cradle, where he plays a... a uh, uh, that was actually the moment that I thought Hudson was a great actor. Oh, and he goes full... Yeah. Well, he didn't you go full... He went, he goes, and thank you, Jenny. Yeah, you hey, you so you 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 say half. that. He went, he went <laughs> halfway. He went halfway. No, guy. He was the help. He did like Forrest Gump, right? He did like one of the Forrest Gump things. Simple he was likable. He was likable. <laughs> He went simple jack on us. No, we're all going to hell. Oh yeah, this podcast is going to get canceled. Falling off the wheels. All right, here we go. In 1983, we were obsessed with space odysseys as the original Star Wars fueled our imaginations in the late 70s and carried over into the early part of the 80s. Space was everywhere on TV with the likes of Buck Rogers and Battlestar Galactica, and in film with Battle Beyond the Stars, Krull, and the aforementioned Star Wars. The truth was, space had proven to be profitable as moviegoers were excited for what they hoped would be the next Star Wars. Originally titled Adventures in the Creep Zone, Space Hunter had pedigree behind its $12 million and was a significant amount of money for the day. In addition, the film featured Ivan Reitman for Ghostbusters fame as a producer. Future stars such as Ernie Hudson and Molly Ringwald, and a score by the legendary Elmer Bernstein. 
who is famous for the Magnificent Seven and The Great Escape. That's shocking. I tell you, it's it's impressive names behind it. It's just none of them were writers. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. No doubt. Uh, that is, it, that it is shocking. It was early, man. You know, it, you have to got to keep in mind as you talk about context. Everybody was just getting started out. They're just trying to get their name out there, man. Nobody cares how the meal tastes. I just want to get a chance to cook. Nobody care. They probably should have tasted. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a fair point. So, as you might guess, the set was anything but calm. As the movie had a change in directors after only two weeks of filming, the original why. director Jean Lefleur being fired along with several crew members due to the studio being unhappy with the progress. What? While Lefleur's name would remain attached as a writer, Columbia Pictures brought in journeyman film and TV director Lamont Johnson. Johnson's only claim to fame, besides tons of TV, was the 1971 Kirk Douglas film A Gunfight with Johnny Cash and the 1976 thriller Lipstick starring Margot Hemingway in her first feature role. Given only a week to become oriented to the film production before being thrust into filming, Reitman also wanted a softer and more comedic script over the nastier and grittier one written by LaFleur. Reitman would replace LaFleur with his own people, Len Blum, David Preston, Edith Ray, and Daniel Goldberg. Goldberg and Blum brought in specifically for comedy who he had previously worked on Meatballs, 1979, and Stripes in 1981. For writers Edith Ray and David Preston, this would be the first and only feature film they would write, and both would have successful TV careers. As for Blum and Goldberg, both would have successful 80s film careers, but would become very successful as Marvel Comics writers. I find it very important to point out to you guys that no one's career was ruined by Space Hunter like some of my other crap favorite movies. No one's career? Not one? Nope, they all went on to something else. They all had very, very good careers. What did Wolf go on to? Peter Strauss was a a character. We'll get to him next. yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> that is that is really interesting to know. I mean, well, I guess, you know, they weren't trying to make a bad movie. They were trying to make a good movie. And they I stand trying. by the fact that it is a good movie, though. Yeah. Of course. Yeah, you know, I, 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 yeah that's a uh, keep reading there, pal. Better than Mad Max. <laughs> <laughs> mm, no. He, no. No. I'm going to put that on our on our tagline on Twitter, though. Better than Mad Max. <laughs> better, than, better than Mad Max. Today, Kenny chose violence. <laughs> so, uh, you know, Lee was jumping in there. So let's draw. Let's talk about the cast. Peter Strauss as Wolf. Originally, the studio wanted Jeff Bridges for the role of Wolf, but after Tron, they couldn't afford it. According to Ernie Hudson, the studio wanted Wolf to be James Bond meets Han Solo, but with all the rewrites, Strauss struggled to maintain a steady character. Hudson noted that during filming, Strauss was still being handed script pages and said Strauss was frustrated throughout the film, noting the tone went from serious to goofy. While this would be Strauss's only feature film where he was the leading man, he would go on to become a successful character actor with over 86 acting credits. He's best known for this film, the TV film Masada, the voice of Justin in The Secret of Nim, and as the congressman's evil husband Brendan Grant in 1995 Johnny Depp classic Nick of Time. I'll also toss in there that he won uh, a primetime Emmy. He got nominated three times. He won once. That's huge. Yeah. I mean, he had a successful TV career and he's still making stuff today. Yeah. Yeah. You guys got nothing, huh? I've never (laughs) heard of these things. I've heard of Secret of Nim. I've heard of Secret of Nim, but I've never Masada or. He has respect, man, to win an Emmy during that time when there were millions of TV shows on at the time. Yeah, yeah that's that's, a, that's that's that is impressive. That's huge. I mean, he's had a fruitful career, but you know, you say that 
that this movie did not hurt careers. I'd argue that this movie did hurt his movie career. Yeah, his movie career, but he still had a career, Dell. See, in TV, nobody nobody goes out to be the greatest TV star ever. They want to be a movie star. But we have had movies on this crap corner where the entire cast is destroyed. I mean, we did The Guardian, and nobody gets work after The Guardian, Dell. No one gets work after The Guardian. (laughs) Yeah, I know, right? That was pretty sad. I wouldn't say no one. Two people went on to Costner. Like, yeah, two people yeah. did. Costner did yeah. pretty well for himself. Well, Cost- Costner can do pretty much anything he wants. He'll be fine. True. But everybody that wrote, directed, produced, whatever, no one of those guys had any career after, <laughs> after Carter. Like a well, I, I will. I will hand it to Strauss. He he did his best with the with the hand that he was given, which was changing on a daily basis, and it's very unfair for any actor to have to change the tone of his character while they're filming. I mean, I feel like that is like constantly filming two separate movies at the same time. We have Molly Ringwald as Nikki. As you might have guessed, this was Ringwald's first feature role. She plays the urchin Nikki who is stranded on Terra 11 and has learned to survive on her own. She befriends Wolf, and while she's got a tough-as-nails exterior, really, she's just a scared kid. For Ringwald, she would go on to become an icon of the 80s with films like 16 Candles, Breakfast Club, The Pickup Artist, and Pretty in Pink. With over 74 acting credits, Ringwald has managed to move from successful leading actors to successful TV character actor, appearing this last year in the CW's Riverdale and FX's The Bear. Nikki was always meant to be a continuing part of the series, as Reitman had envisioned several Space Hunter movies, and it was his intention to have her replace Wolf's android companion, Chalmers. Ringwald was featured on several posters that had the tagline, He's an interstellar adventurer. She's a young rebel. Together, they set out on a mission to rescue three stranded women from a planet no one has warned them about because no one has ever returned. It's a horrible tagline. Man, uh, man, this movie, the sexism was strong in this movie, bro. It did not age well at all, man. No, it did not. It it did not age well Well, at all. It was that 80s way to get get young men into the theater. That's all it was. And the vibe was so confusing between Wolf and Nikki. I was like, is it going to be creepy or is he like, yeah, is it, is it romantic? Is it yeah. not romantic? It was yeah. such a weird you. vibe between yeah. the two of them. I was very confused and very uncomfortable for a short period of time. I'd be willing to bet that throughout the production, they kept tossing it back and forth, right? They like some people were on the, they'll get together romantically camp. And some people were father daughter relationship camp. And I think like they 15. kept swapping off. Yeah. Yeah. And so it, it was kind of weird at, even at the end, right? You think, is this the moment where they, like, get together romantically because I, like, I hope he gonna it kiss isn't. Her? Like, because the, range, bro, the whole thing was cringe for me, man. Just the relationship yeah. that yeah. man it was just cringe, man. I, you know, is, I, do you like well, that bath to scene? Replace the sex spot. So. You like the bath scene where he like makes her take a bath? <laughs> and, you know, I, yes. and when I saw it, when I was watching it, I text Dale. I say, hey, man, that bath scene is kind of rough, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I, was like, that's, I was like, what is this, man? It was like borderline. I don't know what's oh, going on, man. Yep, well, she even points it out, though. You're just going to watch me while my dry- clothes dry and be creepy. And I was like, yeah, I think that's where he's going with that one. <laughs> yep. And, and that yep. wasn't even the creepy part. The creepy part was the forcing it into the water. I'm like, what is what is this dude? That, that was a rough watch for me, well, man. I thought what was funny it was... put the lotion so on. <laughs> in like 2011, Ringwald went on this. She started doing honest interviews about her time in the... What did they call it? The Rat Pack? What did they call those kids? The Brat Pack. The Brat Pack. The Brat Pack, the Brat Brat Pack. Pack right? Yeah. And so she said some things about the John Hughes films. And she felt... Now she's saying, looking back on it, they're very sexist and exploitive and all that other stuff. But not once, not once did she ever comment on Space Hunter. 
she's no probably trying to forget existed. it existed. Yeah. <laughs> Is she always, she just trying to make it so that people don't remember that one? Like I was looking on IMDb, like all of her bajillion credits, and I could not find Space Hunter. (laughs) So, and truth be told, she did okay in Space Hunter. I thought she did all right. I know we're not doing a good job. She did did a good job. I mean, I fell in love with her, but the, 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 um, I was about to say, so I watched, he says that a lot. (laughs) So I, I did see an interview recently uh, where she was behind the actor's studio. It was from 2019, where she did talk about this character. She spent exactly one minute talking about her role in this film. And he timed it. And that was it. No, the, the video length is literally one minute. Oh, total. Oh, okay, I got you. Yeah, there, there's something there, man. Like, I don't know. I'm not going to so, so, nothing, man. So, yeah. I, you know, Chris had mentioned that she did a good job in this movie, which she did. But I thought it was interesting that the character that she was given and the lines that she was given to say, she did not like it at all and was hoping that they would eventually let her ad lib these lines because she felt she could do it better. Well, as luck would have it, they fired the original director and the writers were like, Oh yeah, Hey, have at it, do your thing. And so pretty much every line in the movie is hers. Oh, okay. Which is kind of cool considering that it's that, uh, that horrible teenager that Chris can't stand in movies. <laughs> yeah, that's right. No, she, she acts actually, like a typical teenager. But the only misstep she had was getting captured, right? That was the only misstep she had. That's a pretty big and, misstep on that's, that point. Yeah, that's, that's kind of priority. That's like the biggest you. misstep you could make. But, she had one job to stay in the damn car. Right, right. <laughs> she had one job. That's right. Okay, I retract that. I do hate teenagers in movies, bro. Because <laughs> they do and dumb stuff ended like up that, in the man. Phase of death. They do they do dumb stuff like that, and because you got caught, you jeopardize the entire team because you got yeah. caught, man. But that- it wasn't just once. Like if you pay attention, she pretty much got caught throughout the entire film. <laughs> And somehow she survived to that age on her own before she ran into him. And then she couldn't help herself. She just got caught everywhere. You know why? Because she knew the man was going to be there to clean it up. That's why. Oh. Lee, <laughs> okay. that's why we I mean, it's the, the 80s, Del. It's the, the 80s. 80s. I'm, I'm with Chris on this. It's the 80s. It was the 80s. I'm going to, I'm just going to. Thank God the man was time. there. Thank God. Right. Man was there. What would she ever do? What would Chris, I do? So you survived for 15 years or you're old, but as soon as the man get in the picture, I can be reckless. <laughs> She's a hot mess the minute that man shows up. <laughs> So next up, we have Ernie Hudson as Washington. Washington <laughs> Washington is an academy buddy of Wolf's who is stranded on Terra 11 after trying to collect the reward for rescuing the three women by himself. He needs Wolf's help. And after Wolf gets stranded in the water desert, they make a deal to split the reward 50-50. Hudson was cast because Reitman believed him to look like Lando Calrissian. Again, trying to capitalize on that Star Wars IP. Hudson had also been told that Jeff Bridges was going to play opposite him. <laughs> Wasn't he shocked? So Hudson has had a long, successful TV and film yep. career, tallying up 256 acting Damn. credits. Wow. And you might remember him from last year's Crap Corner classic, The Hand That Rocks the Cradle. I think we might have mentioned that one. Yeah, yeah that's right. Just a little bit. <laughs> it wasn't uh, Hand That Rocks the Cradle. Was, it's a classic, man. It's an iconic movie. I like that movie. Thank you, Chris. See, Dell. Some of these crap corners are class. That doesn't yeah. mean it, that there wasn't dumb scenarios. I'm not going to hire a complete stranger to be my right. man. That's exactly. Yes. Thing, bro. Exactly. For what it was, it was, a, and you had a guy who was mentally unstable around your kid. The whole scenario just doesn't make sense at all. But it was a mentally unstable. He, he wasn't unstable. He was just challenged. Yeah, he was just challenged. He wasn't unstable. He was a good guy. 
I have to go back and watch it. I didn't watch it before I made a comment, so I'll, make, I'll go back and watch it. <laughs> Jesus. Well, he, he, he actually saves her. He actually saves her. So, but, but you know, that it, this bring, the comparison between um, Hudson and Billy D. yeah, I mean, Hudson's a good guy, a good-looking cat, but man, in this film, it struck me that his looks have not changed. Right? Yeah. He's got, no. like, the not aged at all. I saw no, him in a, at all. in a, was it a Safe Light commercial the other day. <laughs> for the this guy's windshield? like the Paul Rudd of the 80s. You, you can't windshield? follow You can't follow up a great insane. career. You can't follow up a, a great career with, he was in a Safe Light commercial. That just doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's hey, where hey, we are. Acting credits, <laughs> including. If, if Serrano from Major League could do State Farm commercials, then Hudson can that's do right. Safe Light. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's right. That is who he is. That's right. And because of Lee, that they're going to jingle is stuck in my head now. (laughs) (laughs) Next up, Michael Ironside as Overdog. The character of Overdog was originally called King Creep, but was changed mid-shoot. Overdog is... Well, he's a cyborg who wants the girls so he can drain them of their life force to enhance his own lifespan. Is that why he really wanted him? Yeah, I mean, you don't really know this until close to the end of the film because it sort yeah. of seems like he just wants to, Watch you know, address yeah. rape these women as his main reason for wanting them. Probably should have given us this nugget earlier in the movie because King Creep seems like a much better name. Ironside is a character actor with over 282 acting credits and is best known for some iconic roles in films like as Razak in Starship Troopers, Daryl Revoke in Scanners, Jester in Top Gun. And of course, Richter in Total Recall. See you Probably at the party, Richter. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he is that bad guy character actor, right? And in this film, like he this is a perfect for it. This mm-hmm. is a perfect example of, of 80s PG, right? This is a PG rated film. But that scene between him and the three girls when they first bring them in and he's all undress them and then he's like yeah, yeah. Oh, i was like please yeah. don't pan down that, please don't pan oh, down I'm right and i'm thinking wait this is pg what is it this is definitely 80s pg was a different pg you notice they didn't start with the top when they undressed her they <laughs> no, started with the mid drift they, they went straight for it they're like oh i start there <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's a cyborg okay he's got needs he's got, <laughs> but that's the whole that's thing what right? he says just that scene it, alone you you kind of understand what he wants nope <laughs> Not what he wants. He wants. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, wait, what did he want the other girls for? You know, that had to have been a mid mid shoot rewrite. Like, look, <laughs> guys, we can't have this cyborg raping these girls. Okay, yeah, so he's, like, well, he's sitting there, like, where do I put my hands. arm, my hands? You know, where do they go? You know, and I think it also might have been like, okay, uh, Nikki gets captured. She's fifteen. We we can't have him sexualize her. <laughs> It's only funny because of the fact that, like, mm. I kind of related this sequence to, like, the job of the Hut sequence from yes. Return of the Jedi. Yeah. And and you were like, what? what's he doing to those girls? <laughs> like, what's right. He, what does he do? Right. <laughs> yeah. They didn't establish the movie rules early. Right? Right. Didn't so establish anything. Yeah. At least Fisher was <laughs> a little was older. Established. Yeah. Yeah. It, was, it was cringe all the way through for the fact that I didn't know how, you know, Ringwall was. But you could tell she was really Hey, young. but that was also 1983. Yeah. I mean... There was something going on in 1983. <laughs> Something was in the water, people. <laughs> Everybody was coming off the, the LSD highs, man. That's what it was. Some cocaine so, binges. So, Lee, as a woman, do you feel the film was hypersexualized in a way that made you uncomfortable? 
and made you want to take a shower. Robot made me uncomfortable. (laughs) (laughs) Underdog, whatever his name is, Overdog. What is his name? Overdog. Overdog Overdog. made me uncomfortable. That yeah. And you know, and it's just like it's not like it hadn't been done before, right? Have you ever seen Barbarella? I mean, yeah, yeah, I own it. Barbarella was a good movie. I also agree with that, but many people would disagree with us, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they had boobs. They had a lot going for it. uh, I guess. I guess what I'm saying is, is it is there's a way to do it where it's okay and consumable, and there's a way to do it where it's just like. What no. the hell are you doing? So your argument no. is that they should have gone deeper? Like it should have been rated no, R? No, like Barbarella, Barbarella <laughs> well, was you know purposely what? Yeah, done I agree in with that, that fashion. Like it had a clear message from the beginning. You knew what you was getting into. In this movie, they, I think they honestly thought that they were making a different film. That it wouldn't come off that way. But it did. Yeah. And it's because they didn't establish the rules. Like you said, Barbarella, right. you knew the tone in the movie. You didn't know what. I mean, I, halfway through, halfway through, man, I couldn't tell you what it was about, bro. <laughs> uh, they went from they went from rescuing the three girls to like what the f- like what is this? I, I, just, I, don't, I don't I don't know. I man. literally skipped chunks of this movie at a time and did not miss any dialogue. Oh, ouch. she's gaslighting me, Dell. She didn't watch the movie. Yeah. Oh no, I watched the movie. Yeah. I skipped the twenty minute walk through the desert. I skipped the ten minute fight at the beginning. You know that's a I great did, point. That was a long I walk did through not. the desert. That was the longest walk through the desert ever. The water. Which, which validates my point. You can compare it to Mad Max and no. the yeah. At yeah. least yes. Mad Max yes. has dialogue. No. Yes. No. 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 <laughs> I'm just saying. This was just them no. walking through Arizona. Arizona. <laughs> Arizona. <laughs> it was really bullshit. It was really crazy. They probably were in Arizona when they filmed this shit, man. Just, <laughs> I mean, weren't weren't they? I think I, they I were. I assume I they were. I didn't look it, it up. <laughs> they were in a space. They we're were on a planet. Gonna, Kenny, we have the ability. We're just going to add it to IMDb trivia. <laughs> it was in Arizona. Primarily <laughs> filmed in Arizona. <laughs> IMDb is law, baby. The Wikipedia That's right. movies. <laughs> That's right. So, two quick pieces of trivia. Harold Ramis, who you might remember as Egon from Ghostbusters, <laughs> he played the voice of the intercom on Wolf's ship. And Colin Mockery from Whose Line Is It Anyway made his uncredited debut as a guard. I love Colin Mockery. Yeah. The interview, the intercom voice, I picked up on that immediately. Yeah, he's got a very unique voice, right? You yep. can't, yes. Can't, yep. Imagine that going from going from uh, Stripes to this. This <laughs> Reitman was his buddy. No, yeah, no doubt. He's probably like, hey, would you mind doing this? I we don't have anybody else to do. Oh, sure, I'll do it. Yeah, I got 30 minutes. <laughs> All right, so we can't get away from this movie without discussing scenes. We can. Yeah, we, we, we won't, though. Well, yeah, okay. So, All right. <laughs> I, I want to this... talk about the 20-minute walk in the desert. Uh, okay, we can do that scene if no. that's what you want. <laughs> no, no. You missed it the first no. time, Lee. Or did you? But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so this scene is Wolf saves Nikki. So after Wolf specifically tells Nikki to stay in the car until he's done saving the girls, she completely disobeys him, thinking she can help. So like a dumbass, she gets herself thrown into the maze, which is like this obstacle course of death she has to survive to prove she has enough vitality to satisfy Overdog, I guess. That didn't sound creepy. You imbeciles! You crawling masterpieces! How could you all fail at the same time? Overdog, I have a consolation prize for you. Uh, she also is an earther, but 
she has much more fire than those pale poor creatures who fled. You see? <laughs> I like her. I like her for the maze. As luck would have it, this provides the distraction that Wolf and Washington need to save the girls. But when Wolf sees Nikki in the maze, he goes against his better judgment and mounts a rescue mission. Meanwhile, Nikki survives the maze only to be taken by Overdog to be sucked dry of her life force. Congratulations. You made it through. you're going to share with me. But you said if I made it through, I'm free. I lied. <laughs> Nobody goes free. Come off! Prepare to fuse us through! manages to fight his way to Nikki, and as the chemist leaves the door open to the chamber open, Wolf dives in to save her. We then get one of the most awkward fight sequences of all time, where after dispatching the chemist, Wolf must now fight Overdog, and of course, Wolf emerges victorious, killing Overdog and saving Nikki, the girls, and the day, and the end, and it gives us this fly-off into the sunset that's wonderful. But the acting in this entire sequence is just fun camp, and it fueled my seven-year-old imagination for years to come. 80s villains, in my opinion, were just better. 
You don't have to learn Overdog's backstory to know he's a creepy bad guy that Wolf has to take care of. We don't learn that Overdog is some poor abandoned person that chose a life of creepiness to survive the barren wasteland and how his actual backstory is a feel-good rags-to-riches type of godfather story. Screw that. He's a bad dude. We get to root for our hero to take care of him. This scene just best illustrates the ridiculous story, campy acting, and inconsistent writing you've enjoyed throughout this entire film. I will say my favorite line of the entire movie is from that scene. What is it? What's your favorite line? Hey, Nikki, hang in there. <laughs> I was like, that, that's what's supposed to inspire very, her to keep fighting? That's a very fighting? 80s line right there. I was like, that's the tagline you want to walk away with? Okay, fine. Hey, Nikki, hang in, hang in there. <laughs> like, what was she supposed to do? Dude, that fight sequence was terrible. Like, Ironside's on this, like, crane with, like, these claws and stuff like that. He manages to somehow get caught by one of the claws. I will note, I will note that the Ironside character, this, what was his name? Overdog. Come on, Overdog. Underdog. Underdog. I I will say that, you know, for what it is, it did inspire the forklift fighting scene in Aliens. Oh, really? cool. I didn't know that. No, it didn't. Hmm. I'm just going to add it to IMDb. <laughs> I, man, I like them. The, the it's only, canon now. It's canon. Uh, it's canon. That's right. The, the canon. Only, I'm only disappointed in the fact that he didn't get the second death. Right? Every No no villain ever dies. Oh, no, yeah, that's a good no point, man. That's a good point. There, there, there he was no... Get, yeah, he didn't get the, yeah, he didn't get the was second Was that the one death. trope they opted not to do? They're like, no, we're drawing <laughs> the line here. We're drawing the line here. So, like, when he kills him and he walks by him, I said, oh, he's still alive. He's about to catch his leg. And then... <laughs> and I was like, this is so disappointing. Maybe it didn't exist yet. It didn't really become popular until Friday the 13th Part 1, but that was before this movie, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, that was before. Oh, this. no, that, that's yeah. an old horror trope. Right, okay. That's an old horror that old. trope. Calm down. Yeah, I am. <laughs> I'm old. I know you are. Yeah, that's why I know. <laughs> Can you imagine in real life if you never died the first time, right? And you came back to life. Redo. And you, just, you popped up. You popped up one more time in your casket, bro. Just kidding. <laughs> I got this. I got this. <laughs> right? He's yeah, going to use the claw. <laughs> that whole scene, Kenny. That whole scene. Just, just the, like, what the hell is this maze thing? What is that? Just to suck the life out of her. I didn't understand right, that. Part. Right. Like, I'm going to put you through this to, to kill you. But if you make it, I'm going to suck your life out. And even then, I'm gonna I thought soul. that he was about to try to get it on with her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> even then, Rich. it was that it was that confusing. Do you like that moment yeah. where he tells Nikki he lied? Where she's like, yep. you said if I won, I'd get to I go free. It. And he's all. I lied. Took <laughs> you to think about it first, though. He's like, "Oh crap, she caught me." <laughs> I lied. Everyone dies. I think is what he says. It's like, yeah, I, I don't know. I think she I, was I holding her own pretty well in that maze, though. I don't think she needed to be saved by Wolf. She was doing pretty darn good. I'm pretty she, sure it inspired Double Dare. Like, I'm pretty sure that's what that sequence. <laughs> that's, what, that's going in IMDb. We're gonna write that up. <laughs> we got all kinds of new trivia to give this show to give it some legs. Well, it only has it only has two. And you know why she survived the maze? Because she survived on that planet for fifteen years. By exactly, herself. she didn't think he was coming. No. She That's didn't right. think he was coming, so she had to survive. If she if she knew he was coming, she would have twisted her ankle or something. Or well, hell, over an invisible crack. I thought it was funny <laughs> earlier. Now you might actually have a point. 
I'm just saying. It's just yeah. the whole the whole meme, right? Uh-huh. You see the memes online where you know, when my husband's not at home and the lady's lifting up beds and five gallon water jugs, and then how I act when my husband's at home is yelling like, my own spiders, stuff. right? <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, Kenny, you had mentioned all this stuff about the, the the bad guy, right? The villain not having a sympathetic backstory. You're giving this play, this script too much credit, right? They just didn't write it. That's all it is. is they didn't do it on purpose. And of course they, they did. Lazy. This is a lazy. seriously and by amazing the default, film. And by the default no. of time, by the default of time is the only reason why this bad guy looks better. But he's, right? he's always, he's been consistent. He's always said... And I gotta agree with them, man. Sometimes you, you bad guys are just bad. No, no, bro. no. But I'm saying it was a it was not a well written character back then. But just by through the lens of time, where now villains just suck. This guy well, comes off better. Was he a product <laughs> of the plague? Was he a product of the war? Did you he don't need just to know. show up one day? I, you, you know, I kind of did. You don't need to know. Then stop because... mentioning it at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> because if they had t- if they had given that to you. This then suddenly you're like, oh, poor overdog. No, I wasn't. I just He's wanted just, to know why he looked that he way. A, why he was in the machine? He was yeah, a nice you, guy until he got hands? the creepy what was the the plague. Where did the bottom half of him go? Yeah, why do these people follow him? Why do they follow him? He can't chase them around. He can't kick nobody's butt. He's uh, he's attached to a crane. Exactly. Worshiping this guy. Just don't bug him. You leave it open to questions if you explain that. Why are there more spider guys walking around here? Because they were able to make him a spider guy. Why is nobody else a spider guy? Were they right. not worthy? Right? So that's why you don't answer those questions. And who are these people <laughs> letting their kids become mutants? Oh, the right. baby that's fart. Right. Mutant, yeah. mutant oh, I forgot sure. about that, man. What in the Oompa Loompas? No, but they weren't <laughs> friendly. They were bad. They were the they were they like Saint Oompa Loompas. Saint Oompa Loompas. That's some hell of a firecrackers is destroying everything. <laughs> they did. They did remind you of the jumping candy stripes, though, in Willy Wonka, bro. Uh, what, yeah. What, what no, that, you know man? what it reminds me of. You remember Galaxy Quest? The, the little movie. dudes. They try to get that Rigna. Rigna. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> what is Rigna? Because you start off as kind of okay. You feel bad for the kids, right? Like, oh, look at these oh, kids. Oh, and then it's like they start dropping bombs on them, right? <laughs> You're like, oh, gotta go. Oh man. I would have never assumed those were kids, though. I would have been like, "Oh, tiny mutants, midgets, or something." But uh, oh, you know, they just because they're ugly. Kids. I mean, just because they're ugly. No, because they're short. Believe it up to you guys. <laughs> you you want to know why they're there? Nobody wants to know why they're there. They could have been his eggs for all we know. I see. We I didn't need to know why they were there. I just wanted to know why Overlord didn't only had half his body. Well, no, but Overdog. They, they, they told us what happened to those kids, though. Oddly enough, they told us what happened to them. The chemist did it with his. Germ medicine right. or whatever the hell. Yeah, she why did they it. bother with that? Well, they had to explain the chemist. Why they called him the chemist. No, they didn't. See, see? good point. No, they didn't. Ex- excellent writing. Excellent oh, writing. Excellent oh, writing. my God. Excellent <laughs> writing. Oh, no. At what point in the movie did we finally figure out the chemist's job? What? How far into the movie were we before we figure out? And well, I mean, he wasn't even introduced was? until the first oh, hour yes, was he over. Was. He didn't even show up. I've been <laughs> hiding from the chemist, chemist for years. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I yeah, guess yeah, I did say that. So there was a. I thought he was a drug dealer. There was a tied in character, right? That's that's strange. That's strange that the chemist is w- so tied into the story, but the the overdog guy is Zero. not. I thought the chemist was the bad guy. Well, he is, but I'm saying I thought he was like the main bad guy. They may have explored this more if they had gotten to make more movies, though. Remember, this was supposed to be a series of films. We could have gotten into the whole overdog backstory. Maybe he'd been like Darth Vader. We'd have found that like at some point he was like the chemist's apprentice, and then he killed a bunch of kids. 
And then those kids became mutants. And then now he's creepiness and wants to suck all the women dry. You just created a whole sequel. In his, in no, 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 no. What, what happened was Kenny. they had to right. wait. They had to wait. All over I need a is some cocaine and a newsroom and a, and a writer's room. And I can make this just like the 80s, though. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> That's not a credit. Anybody can make this. <laughs> My seven year old could probably get this banging out. That's who wrote this. Come on. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm trying, man. This movie just, it's not a lot to offer. It is what it is. You turn it on, you see what's going on, or you don't know what's going on, and then you turn it off. <laughs> just keep going. Just, just keep going. Is this, what do you call it out there? Brain food or whatever? Brain, brain, yeah, brain junk food. Brain, brain candy, junk food. Junk food. Brain, yep. that, that's all it is, man. That's all it is. I, I called it brain Brussels sprouts. All right, so. Yeah, I'll take that. Do you guys? Do you guys have anything else you want to talk about, or you want to? Do jump you in want us to piece? talk about do you anything? Want us else? to keep we, going? We'd be glad to drone on. <laughs> we we can keep uh, going. Let's just dive into the three pieces. I, I kind of know how this is going to. I kind of know how this is going to wrap up. All well, right. hold on a sec. Hold on a sec, Kenny. So the, the very very ending of this film, when they get when when Washington Wolf, Molly Ringwald's character, what's her name? Nikki. 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 When they get there with the three ladies they rescued and the two guys that. I, I don't know why they're still hanging around there. The two guys like just never went home, right? They just ha- at your house. They don't want to leave. But that scene actually is kind of nice. It's it's it like the only be. scene. Yeah, it is, right? And I, I was sitting there wondering, they did that. Why couldn't they just do this for the rest of the film? Because you got to explain it. They went halfway. They changed their records like halfway through. Right? Moment in this movie, it just felt like a real moment. Then he's like, "You want to come with us?" And the two guys, for some unfathomable reason, like, "No, nah, man, we got to go back to the life of squalor. We're <laughs> running around. We'll continue to run away from pork, porklet guy, you know." And then you o- had Overlord is dead. <laughs> yeah, hey, somebody take over. O- Overlord is dead, man. It's, he left uh, a good business. Was, he left a good business model, name right? You know, he, he's got to jump he, in there. He, the organization still exists. Over. The overdog dude wasn't all, like he didn't go anywhere. He was attached to something. He, all they had to do is why remove he the was upper a half of them from the crane and insert somebody else. They, How hard perfect. Yes. Maybe it's whoever's attached to the crane is the new bad guy. Maybe the crane is actually the bad guy. And you have to put forklifts on your hands. It's like Octavia. All right. It's like it's, the ring, the ring of like power. Doc, no, right? it's like Doc Ock. It's like That's Doc what it is. Ock. It's like Doc Ock. Right. Oh, man. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I'm trying to fight for you, Kitty, man. This, this turned out to... so much better than I wait, ever could have dreamed. Wait. My point, my point was, at the very this, least, no matter what I fault. thought about this film, that last scene was actually a good scene. I'll tell well, you, it needed one. Yes, it did. <laughs> I think the whole movie is good, except for the 20 minute walk through the water desert. But you know. <laughs> <laughs> So let's drink me this up, guys. <laughs> it's a play. No. Yeah. All right. So one of the three Ps. So an apocalyptic sci-fi space thriller with Molly Ringwall and a disabled, somehow immortal guy. That's a play for me. Yeah. <laughs> that's a play for me. I got a play now. <laughs> I got a play. Sci-fi. Sci-fi. You have Molly Ringwall, sci-fi, and you got a dead immortal guy who's some kind of arachnid. Android. That's a play all day, man. Android. That's a play all day. Rachnid spider guy. All right, Lee, you're up. Mine's scripted. No, I have, I have the same. It's okay. Okay. Uh, Space Hunter is such a paragon of mediocrity that it's truly a representation of 80s cinema. From the predictable dialogue to the extra long shots of nothing important, 
This film is a true marvel of meh. The plot is like the writers of Spaceballs first tried to write a serious movie and then realized they weren't good at it. Um, overall, if you want a movie that's going to leave you underwhelmed and unimpressed, Space Hunter's the one for you. Otherwise, it's going to be like me and I'm going to pass and maybe spend my time watching Psycho Gorman instead. That's a good movie, though. Man, if that it's wasn't a, a good movie. If that Psycho wasn't, movie is a good movie. Hold on, hold on. If that wasn't a teacher... I know, right? Give us somebody the first, the first three words yeah, would be on my vocabulary. The best, yeah. the best part is Adele gets to follow her. That's right. <laughs> oh, oh, my, oh, one, three. Next. <laughs> I felt like she berated her best student for turning in some crap because she know that he can do better. What is this crap? Get this back. You can do better than this. That's how That's I it. felt. That. She would that. never use the word crap. <laughs> she would have some other word that I have no idea what it means. Oh no, I'd say crap. I teach teenagers. I got to keep it simple. <laughs> All right. So we've gone long enough for people to forget what she said. So let me do mine. <laughs> <laughs> if this movie had been made in 1978 or 79, trying to ride the coattails of the original Star Wars mania, then okay, I get it. But this was 1983. Sometimes when you make a movie, you got to adjust the story to work within the budget you're given and avoid hokey, unnecessary things like the repurposed John Deere tractor, the mishmash train slash sailboat, the rejects from Mad Max, and a host of tropes that just don't make any sense. They spent $14 million and made $16.5 million at the box office, making it not a bomb, amazingly enough. It even beat out Krull, which launched in 1983, at a budget of $50 million, and only made $16 million, which makes Krull a bomb. I find that horrible to think about that Space Hunters is better than Krull. It, it, there's some pain in there. I don't know if you can hear my voice, but there's pain in there. Space Hunter. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, at least the uh, creators of Space Hunters can always say that they did better than Krull. If anything, they can hang their hat on that. Are you, you saying know if- Crow or Krull? Krull. K-R-U-L-L. Do you not know Crow? I thought you were saying Crow. We might need to do that movie. I think what's interesting is that you keep butchering the name of this movie and calling it Space Hunters. Space Hunters. (laughs) Adventures in nothingness. It's Space Hunters. One one dude. One dude. One dude dude in a sex bot. One dude and a sex bot. There you go. Okay, Space Hunter. That's all we want in science fiction is a good sex bot. If I had a choice between watching Space Hunter or Crow... But if I choose Krull, I had to eat a heaping bowl of pig anuses. I'd say serve them pig anuses up. Everything (laughs) about this movie is horrible. It's a pass. It's a hard pass. And I can congratulate Kenny on giving Space Hunter more respect with his ridiculously detailed review. Probably the best review anyone has ever done for this film, including back in 1983. I could not in good conscience recommend anyone to watch this thing. but. It is free on Tubi if you're curious. <laughs> you get what you pay for. I just want to point out that at the very beginning of your assessment, you compared it to Mad Max and the Thunderdome. I just want to point that out. Not Thunderdome, Mad Max. <laughs> Mad, Mad Max. Max. You the compared original. it to. The original so Mad Max, you will admit, which had come out you will before admit, this movie. But you will admit there are parallels. Not Thunderdome, so that... the original Mad Max, <laughs> which had like a, like a $20,000 budget. It was filmed on a personal camera. Hey, Dell, I know Pretty that was much. hard for you. Thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kenny, bring it on. I, I can't, I really, truly can't wait to hear this. Bring it on. All right, here we go. 
Space Hunter is a ridiculous feel-good heroic Mad Max and Star Wars mashup that the seven-year-old inside me still loves to this day. My mother will tell you that she can still remember me pretending to be Wolf, complete with my Han Solo laser blaster, rescuing Nikki, played by my one-year-old sister Lizzie, from the clutches of the evil overdog at the local park playground. By all accounts, it's a terrible movie with inconsistent writing, nonsensical crap dialogue, and camp that defined the decade of excess. But I still love it. <laughs> I really do. Space Hunter has awesome special effects for the day, and a hero that should have gotten more stories, or at least a Buck rogers S TV show. The story is a bit all over the place, but the film has some pretty great world building, and you feel good when the movie is over. Its brain candy is on par with most of the science fiction of the decade, and it's no surprise that this movie is a play for me. And while oh I was there God. to see Jaws 3, it was Space Hunter that fueled my imaginations for decades to come, and I don't know who to recommend this film to, but I'm sure I can't be the only one out here who likes this craptastic <laughs> film. <laughs> I can't believe you gave it a play. Of course I did. I love I can't it. I have it. it. I have it on nostalgia VHS, glasses. Laserdisc, DVD, Blu-ray, and <laughs> iTunes. He openly admits it's a crappy movie. It's all I know nostalgia. That, but, but it's a play. It's all nostalgia you still glasses. Be honest to give it a play. I watched it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why is your voice so high? That's usually an indicator of a lie. How many times have you watched this movie, Kenny? Oh, more than a with your wife. With your oh, wife. oh, she judged me. I've never made oh. my wife watch. It. I never. Yeah, made his wife's not going to watch this movie. There's no I, way. There's I've never no made way. her watch this. <laughs> Dude, she didn't make it through Flash Gordon. She made it through the first five minutes of Flash Gordon. Said I'm out. Left the you room. Made us watch it. If you made if you made her watch this thing, even if she only saw five minutes, she'd never trust you again. <laughs> well, it's okay because the first it, fifteen be are credits. Oh, is it? Is that right? Yeah. Does credits roll on for that long? I think it yep. does, right? Mm -hmm. So you know what, Kenny? Though I will followed, give you the followed by a ten minute fight scene. There's a ten minute fight scene. Oh yeah, that yeah that fight scene that made no sense. Mm -hmm. Was that with the the train sailboat thing? Yeah, with the train sailboat. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. that, that was a WTF for me when I saw the sails. I was like, what? <laughs> Pirates! Pirates! But they weren't. But they, but they, but they, but they were the train. They were the good guys. The yeah. They, they weren't, weren't the pirates, pirates. sailing so, on the not on the sand, not the water. That's right. So, Kenny, I'll, I'll give you this much. That last scene does leave me with a good feeling when I see it. So I'll give you that much. Thanks, Dale. Yeah. That's Kenny's bow. That is his bow. That's another reason why he loves this movie. Mm -hmm. And now a word from our sponsor. In just a few seconds, you're going to hear about a very special offer. And then I'll be back to help you take advantage of it. So stay right where you are. When you read Time each week, you know more. You understand. Time flies, and you are there. Time cries, and lets you care. You understand the world we share. Yes, time brings you closer to living. Events in sharp review. Time brings it all right home to you. Each week, Time magazine takes you beyond the news to help you make sense of it all. 
And now you can get time for less than half the cover price. Call 1-800-525-5400 and get 27 issues of time, including the special 60th anniversary edition. A unique look at the major events of the last 60 years, just as time covered them. This issue is just one of 27 you get for only 87 cents each. Payable in three easy installments of $7.77. Call now and you also get free with your paid subscription, The Time Machine, a distinctive desktop digital clock and perpetual calendar with liquid crystal readout and quartz movement accuracy. There's never been a better time to get time. Throughout your world, throughout your land, time puts it all right in your hand. Retire and understand. Hi, I'm Judy, an operator here at Time Magazine. If you call now, you can take advantage of this terrific offer. Time for less than half the cover price, which includes this special Time Collector's Edition, the most amazing 60 years in history. You'll also get this handsome desktop clock, the Time Machine, free. This offer ends soon, so call right now. All right, guys, come on. That jingle does stick in your head, doesn't it? It's pretty awesome. Come on, we I had the best jingles. I have not games. heard it for decades. Ooh. I can't believe that once it came on, I was like, I know this. Right? I know <laughs> I this. knew it right away. You remember the TV commercials, right? You remember this thing yes. is used all yep. the time. Yep. And you know, it's it's funny, right? Because I grew up in that decade, right? And watching this commercial, I, I couldn't help but think to myself, there's no diversity here at all. What, With what all the people that are in this commercial, there's no diversity. And I only see that now, right? When I was there's a kid. There's a picture I, of Richard I, Pryor. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. Even that. Oh, my God. <laughs> that could not have been done purposely, right? I uh, hope it wasn't done purposely. It was like, oops. They, <laughs> oh, they snuck one man. in. They snuck you know what's funny, in. too? If they did that, I, I wonder if they had to pay him some money for that. I hope they did. So, I mean, like, you really, I mean, I honestly, I didn't notice it. But now that you kind of mentioned it, I do, I don't think, I think the picture of Richard Pryor really is the only black person in the entire ad. It's not the only black person. It's the only non-white person. I mean, there's some Arabs, aren't there? In the no, in, in, the, in the magazine cover, Asian no, people? no. He's. <laughs> I'm talking about the actors that are in that damn commercial. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> but but again, but again, back when I was a kid, I never noticed those kinds of things. Now I can't help but notice. Chris, did you notice? <laughs> I don't remember that commercial like in the least bit, man. Like not at all. There was only one commercial. I, I remember <laughs> wanting that stupid clock, the time machine. I wanted that clock. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, if I was at a thrift store and I saw it, I'd probably buy it. All right. All right. Look, look, Dell, I get it. I can I can one up you, though. I'll give you an ad with some diversity. Let's listen to this one. Check it out now. Hey, nice watch. Yeah, it's a Sports Illustrated exclusive. And I got it free. It's a quartz watch with seven digital functions, including a stopwatch, illuminated face, and calendar. Not bad, eh? Did you say Sports Illustrated gave you that watch free? I just got Sports Illustrated's terrific 1983 college and pro football spectacular. It's the best football issue I've ever seen. It's jammed with stats, facts, great pictures, 50 pages of scouting reports, and it's in full color. Biggest issue of the year, 240 pages. Interviews, predictions, profiles. 
close-up stuff. Football inside and out from every angle. You know it. When it comes to football, Sports Illustrated is the only game in town. I've always read it. It gives color to those games we can't catch. With play-by-play action that tells you which teams have the horses who can go the distance and which teams can't get out of the gate. SI shows you the air shows that can take off and land and the teams that should stay on the ground. And when it gets down to the tough yards, Sports Illustrated covers teams with immovable objects and teams with irresistible force. Great stuff. And you get a free watch. How do I get in on this deal? Just call the toll-free number on your screen. And this great SI Sports Watch is free with your paid subscription. Plus, you get the 1983 College and Pro Football Spectacular. This deal's for everyone. Everyone. You fans at home, too. This Sports Watch, the Spectacular, and Sports Illustrated for the low price of just $19.97. Half off the cover price. Call 1-800-621-6700. Wait a minute, I'm taking this down. 23 issues of Sports Illustrated for 87 cents an issue, including the Football Spectacular and this Dynamite SI Sports Watch Free. What's that number again? 1-800-621-6700. Call now. 1-800-621-6700. All right, so that's a little better. There are three people in here. 33% is not white. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. But but he why is it the guy who walks in late has more lines? (laughs) (laughs) I'm just not gonna make you happy, am I? Jeez. I I I gotta it's it's interesting to note these things now looking back with today's lens. It's like what it's like, how did this happen? You like that ADR too, and they focus up on the Casio watch. Oh my god! And the dude's they voice changes. It. Yeah, it's they dub it. Casio watch. <laughs> they change the voice. Casio's were all the rage. They were all the rage. I had one. I had one. It you was are oddly quiet on this man. It wasn't a real Casio though. I will note that. Anyone had yeah. the Casio calculator watch? Yeah, I, I, I did. Yeah. I wasn't I allowed. You? Yeah, I How'd did. You? That that thing. If you still had that stupid thing, it's like two grand. Well, the Casio calculator with the rubber. <laughs> Yeah. People are buying that stuff. The I the unicorn the it. unicorn of 80s watches is the early 80s uh Casio watch that had a TV on it that never worked. Oh, I remember that. Tom if Hanks find that in, in Dragnet. Oh, he's so they invented it. It it supposedly was supposed to work, but it never worked. So it died out quick. So if you ever found one. That little sucker, that's some bucks right there. <laughs> and it still doesn't work. I was like, does it even have to work? No, no, it never did. Never did, so it's okay. Yeah, it never had the antenna capacity to catch anything. Hey, man, where did you find this stuff, man? Like, wh- How would you even remember? I've had a wasted life, stuff, Chris. My, my life has been useless. <laughs> small, small island. island. That's right. That's right. Things came there late. <laughs> So right. he's just now getting through them. That's right. Yeah, just he just Cassio learned watch. about the clock. Yeah, they, we just saw that commercial like five years ago. That's crazy, man. That's just, wow. Y'all blew my mind. I don't feel old It was right after the Fresh Coconuts anymore. commercial. Fresh all right, coconuts. all right. Well, diversity aside, our tradition, there's a tradition <laughs> on our anniversary episodes is to look at major events in the month and year of our anniversary film debuted. Had they said that, let's look at the major headlines for March 1983. This is a Brothers in Armchairs podcast. And now, the news. On March 2nd, the USSR performed underground nuclear tests. The U.S. would also perform nuclear tests later in the month, proving that the Cold War wasn't quite over yet. 
On March 7th, the Nashville Network begins on cable TV. On March 14th, OPEC cut oil prices for the first time in 23 years. Oh, if only they could see it now. The only known typo on Time Magazine occurs, with the word control instead of control being printed on the cover. All issues are recalled. I think the going rate for this issue on eBay is $200 if you have it. So check your basements if you have this one. Wow. President Ronald Reagan introduces the Strategic Defense Initiative, otherwise known as, guys, Star Wars. Star Wars. Star Wars. In entertainment news, the ninth People's Choice Awards are held with Burt Reynolds winning for Best Actor and Jane Fonda for Best Actress for Film, and actor Tom Selleck and actress Linda Evans would win for TV. In sports, Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback Terry Bradshaw is admitted to the hospital for surgery to repair his throwing arm under the alias Tom Brady. Decades later, a seventh-round draft pick believed to be the love child of Terry Bradshaw enters the NFL and becomes the greatest quarterback of all time. His name? Tom Brady. No way. Just so you guys know, only the first part of this interview is true. Only the first part of this news bite is true. He really did use the name Tom Brady. No kidding. Yeah, that's a real crazy. That is crazy. What are the odds? It makes you question the whole love child thing. Like, for real. Uh (laughs) Don Ritchie runs a world record 50 miles in a mere four hours and 51 minutes. Larry Holmes beats Lucian Rodriguez in 12 rounds to become the WBC heavyweight champion of the world. And finally, in a clash of tennis legends, Martina Navratilova beats Chris Everett to win her first of five straight WTA Tour championships. I love how you rolled through that last number one That's right. Martina Navratilova <laughs> beats. <laughs> so what, what are these headlines uh, do you guys remember? I remember the Star Wars thing. That was huge. Yeah. That was I huge. Star I remember Wars. that. I remember Nancy Reagan. So I remember Ronald Reagan. But I remember Star Wars. Yeah, he got he got he got a lot of they mocked him a lot for that because of the whole Star Wars thing and stuff. Yeah, what I a mean, great name! We Return should make a Jedi movie by watched. that name. Star Wars. What well, is purposely named after the film? Yeah, I know. I'll tell you that I remembered none of this except for the Star Wars bit. Like I remember that as a big deal when he when he announced it because I was like, "Ooh, is it really getting Star Wars? Are we going yeah, off yeah, into space?" Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. in 1983, I certainly didn't care what OPEC was. That's true. <laughs> I do now. And I wasn't reading Time Magazine. Yeah, that's right. No matter <laughs> how bad I wanted that clock. But you know, I will note, though, that for Time Magazine to have a misspelled word on the cover of their magazine, that is collector worthy. Because this yeah. is back then. I mean, everything was sifted through by editors and all that stuff. Not like nowadays. You find typos on online periodicals all the time. But back then, that was huge. So, I mean, yeah, I can imagine why it's worth money, 200 bucks. Somebody lost their job. Oh, yeah, no doubt. The one that surprised me the most is that Jane Fonda winning a, uh, was it an award? Best Actress People's Best, Choice Award. Yeah, that surprises me coming fresh off of the whole Vietnam thing, bro. She was still it, popular. Yeah. I don't been understand. Been a couple years. Yeah, I don't understand it. And we as military people seem to hold hold that a little bit more grudge towards that whole thing. Yeah. But I, I don't know how much in people's minds that made a difference to. Well, I, I guess at the same time, I mean, the war wasn't really looked upon favorably by the general public at that time. Either, so no, I not in the 80s. Yeah. So, like, they, we I were get, just starting to recognize that it wasn't a good war. Yeah. Can you imagine that? In the 80s, we, we were doing that? Like, oh, maybe it wasn't good. Look, they yeah. were still struggling with that in the 90s. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it, the, uh, well, I won't get into it. my dad. He's got stories. Kenny's heard yeah. a lot of these stories. Yeah, because I, I didn't learn about it. You know, I'm trying to go to take that left turn, but I, I didn't learn about it until probably a year or two uh, in the Army. And uh, these have cadences about it. And I'm like, well, who the heck is Jane Fonda? I didn't even know who she was. And then, oh, they, oh, they made, so, wow, yeah. they made cadences. Holy smokes. Dude. That's when you know you made it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no right? kidding. Right? And yeah. So that's why I'm surprised that, that they allowed that to happen. So, well, it was. It's good to know that Burt Reynolds won something. That's right. Oh, he would lose. No, it is his only Oscar thing. bid. He'd lose, and it wasn't in Oscars. If you watch that video, like he knew he wasn't going to win. Yeah. I think it was one of those things where we just want to get him nommed once for the books. So he lost to Robin Williams. If you guys don't know, so that's that's the year Williams won. Oh, everybody who got nominated wow. in that category knew, knew they weren't going to win. Goodwill Hunting. Oh, yeah. No, he was Yeah, and then they all knew it. If you watch the video, it's like none of them were like, oh, I got a chance. I mean, he's like, like, oh, yeah, okay. Bye. I mean, he plays a creepy porn director in Boogie Nights. Like, I don't see how Burt Reynolds has to stand a chance against, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Goes down in infamy, infamy. That's anyway, that's that's an interesting set of news headlines, Kenny. None, there's no frivolities in here. I'm, I'm a little disappointed. Where's the frivol- frivolous? headlines like right. the, the stupid things like today so unfortunately like march for 1983 was a light news month there really wasn't a whole lot that happened there was some wow. ice skating figure championship stuff i could have told you guys about but i was like this is boring i don't want to talk about that yeah good i call. can't even pronounce all these people's names so. <laughs> <laughs> all right well listen before Jesus. we move on we have one more ad from our sponsors so let's take a listen why should anybody worry about whether their cotton swabs are soft? All you have to do to get nice, soft, safe swabs is buy Q-tips cotton swabs. Because everybody knows Q-tips are soft. Well, you can pick any one and actually feel the extra soft cushion of cotton. For softness and safety here, you just look for the Q-tips here. Then you can worry about other things. Like whether your best friend's cotton swabs are soft. Q-tips. No swab is softer. Or safer. Now there is a longer-lasting flavor in New Dentine. How long will the flavor last? Till the cows come home. Possibly an eternity. Longer than I did. Dentine's been improved. New Dentine has longer-lasting flavor, so you can brush your breath even longer. Commander Miller, how long will the flavor last you? Oh, about three million miles. Here's Bruce Jenner for Tropicana Pure Premium. Smells like fresh oranges. Smells like Tropicana. Sure, fresh Florida oranges are all we use in Tropicana Pure Premium. Isn't all orange juice alike? Nope, only one can be the best. For me, it's fresh-tasting Tropicana Pure Premium. It's pure, pasteurized Florida orange juice, not reconstituted with water like other leading brands. Mmm, tastes good. Tastes like fresh oranges. Only one can be the best. For me, it's fresh-tasting Tropicana Pure Premium. Tomorrow. You're not peeking, are you? Lee Majors and Lindsay Wagner. Ah! Together again and falling into super trouble. No! The million dollar season premiere of The Fall Guy. Then James Brolin, Connie Selica, and Betty Davis in a special two hour presentation. Neither my son nor anyone else will stand trial. That's what happens to people who commit rape. Lawyers call and we're. Your lawyer. Hotel premieres tomorrow following The Fall Guy, all starting at 8, 7, Central and Mountain. Has Betty White always been old, bro? 
Yes. <laughs> yes. She yeah. came like, from the like womb, said, she went already from, old. She went from a late teen to a 65-year-old overnight. Yes. She, I mean, but, but she remained 65 years old all the way up until the day she died. I mean, you look at movies or whatever. I mean, she's been in the movies since like the 40s, man. Like, and she's looked she the same age. But she looked the same age, though. <laughs> and I don't know. <laughs> well, I don't know if she was a hottie in this commercial. Like, well, how long no, ago? She looked good. Like like in the 20s? In this commercial. I can't believe we had an ad for Q-tips, though. Like, that's what got me. Like, we <laughs> yeah, you had to convince people to buy them, right? Now, <laughs> now it's like, you know, every household has them. Yes. But what did they do before these commercials? Like, were people not buying Q-tips? <laughs> I don't cleaning? need it. It's just yeah, some right. fangled cotton swab. I don't need the crab. <laughs> and then the other person's like, what? What? <laughs> you want me to put it where? <laughs> hey, I was also impressed with the fact that we had a gum ad. Gum yeah, ads were yeah. a thing in the 80s. We don't have gum ads now. And that commercial lasted about as long. And all it that. lasted just about as long as the flavor in Dentine, bro. Dentine is <laughs> only good for like, like five seconds, man. And it I is think- done. I think the last gum commercial I remember was for Orbitz gum or. Oh yeah. The frozen. Uh, yeah. Uh, no, oh, clean was... that dirty mouth. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember that. No, it yeah, was the, think... fro- the frozen one with the, uh, the frozen cube. They were like little sparkly oh, cubes. Dentine cubes. Dentine. What, yeah. what, was it dentine? Is it dentine? Oh. It is dentine. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> dentine still at it, huh? Holding oh, yeah. out those gum ads. See, I remember the the jingles from the gum ads, like Big Red and Wrigley Spearmint Gum, you know? To yes. kiss a little Big longer. Big Rig, that's right. Oh, that's right. Yes. I remember Fricky that. gum wars, man. You think about it, like, there was a lot of bubble gum going on. Uh, <laughs> Diva Shite? And to, count, <laughs> oh, to counter out all the cigarette ads. Remember the Big League? <laughs> big League Chew. Big League. Yes. You're in the Big League Chew. <laughs> they, look, that grape flavor was, was awesome. Dude, we had... We hey, had, man, uh, that... that Doing big eating big lick gum is what made me want to try chew. That's Actually, what I was chew. about to say. We had bubble gum and mimic chew and cigarettes. Candy yeah, cigarettes. They did have candy cigarettes. They did have candy cigarettes. Yep. By the Which time again, I picked the real one up, I had the skill to use it. It was smart. <laughs> I knew what to do instinctively. I had been trained. But some reason you kept licking the butt. Mine. For some reason, you kept licking the butts of your cigarettes. So you didn't know, you can't understand why. Uh, why aren't you licking the butts of my cigarettes? I don't know why. I don't know. <laughs> that is good. I finally realized, too, like that Bruce Jenner was like a big deal in the 80s, too. Like, oh, I, yeah, he was huge. Oh, man. I do he was an athletic hero, Wheaties man. Box. He was yeah, everywhere. I, I remember the Wheaties box. I didn't I know who he was. Box. I didn't remember who he was, but he was on the Wheaties box, man. I'm like, yeah. And all I thought, I mean, ah, I'm not gonna go there. <laughs> yeah, no, he was a big, he was a big deal in the '80s. Like his name was synonymous with athletics. Mm-hmm. It's like crazy that. to me, like how popular he was. Uh, yeah, I still is, arguably. I didn't know what sport he did. She I didn't is. know what he. She who is. He if was. we talk about her in current right. times, but okay. I remember Bruce Jenner on the Wheaties box, and I remember I wanted to be on a Wheaties box. Really, I can make a, that happen but, now. Thanks but I was a shop. girl. We can do that. <laughs> yeah. But I was a girl and I wasn't going to get on the Wheaties box. There were girls on the Wheaties box. Yeah, you're crazy. That was, yeah. Oh, was that? Mary was Lou the first Redden. girl. Mary yeah. Lou Retton. Okay. Yeah, Mary Lou Retton was the first girl on the way. And, uh, yeah. What about the runner? Oh, what about that? Uh, the, the I think it was, it was Flojo. It was Flojo. Flojo was on the Wheaties box. Are we keep going? Mark, Mark, none of them looked like the fat girl that I was. And what you're saying was there was a plus was there a plus size woman on the cover of a weedy box? I would say no, no and neither was there a plus size no. man. 
if, 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 there have, if there was a plus woman on the weeds box, she probably would have been on the back too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> oh, that's okay. A, okay. Oh, that's a good one. Man. I like Rocky that. was so huge. <laughs> I think Rocky made a Wheaties box cover. Did he? Really? I think he was, man. Because I was thinking about the that is for a fictional, a fictional, fictional character. character. Awesome. They would rather put a fictional character on a Wheaties box than yeah, a plus than a real plus size woman. So Mary Lou Retton was on the Wheaties box, nineteen eighty four. Was she the first? Uh, she wasn't the first female on a Wheaties box. She's the first female athlete on a Wheaties box. First female was somebody ah. called Eleanor Smith from 1934. She was an aviator. Interesting. They yeah. used to have non-athletes on the boxes? Apparently. 1934, huh. Lee. 1934. And we just happen to have a box right here that we're going to try on today's <laughs> show. <It's> from 1934. <laughs> from 1934. It's going to taste delicious. It's, it's, taste right. the same. it's going to taste the same. <laughs> That's right. Oh, you're saying Wheaties taste like cardboard? <laughs> it pretty much does. Open it you're up, not, it's just sawdust. Oh, we, just... <laughs> Wheaties is not a good cereal. The best thing they ever did was start putting athletes on the cover. <laughs> that make kids buy it. Okay, I was mistaken about Rocky, bro. I have sworn I thought there was a Rocky's cover. Well, hey, Chris, thanks for looking that one up for once. <laughs> I'm glad you hey, man. It, man. Listen, man. I, that's your I job. I'm not the fact Wow. Do you know what, Chris? We're going to find a place in IMDb to put that little gem. We're going to put it in. There. <laughs> That's right. You know what? Under Rocky's, under Rocky's IMDb, I'm going to add that he was he was the first fictional character on a Wheaties box. Man, I'm telling you, I really think, maybe I saw you it in the movie. Maybe yeah, I, saw I think it, in the movie. it might have been in the movie because I vaguely think I remember it as well. Or maybe that's just the, you know. So so it is true. Sure, it yeah. It had to be I mean, it's still a Wheaties box. Even though it's in the movie, it's on a Wheaties box. They still uh, need to get the rights from Wheaties to do it. So it technically is true. Believe me, it's Wheaties, bro. Wheaties was signing away those rights. <laughs> it was Rocky Three, 1982. It shows up. Yep. Look okay. at that. Look so at Chris. Crazy. Crazy. Way to go, Chris. Right. You about, just man. don't know how to look anything up properly. It wasn't That's a real no, no, I don't. I don't. I really don't. Which only backs up what you said. It's your job to say it. It's our job to go research That's it. Right? <laughs> That's, That's it. It's an instigator. That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Well, Lee's fading on us, so I guess we got to move on. Harry, no, no, wrap the I'm sucker fine. up. I'm doing well. I'm, <laughs> I'm here. We snoring. Only, we only have three, <laughs> okay. more, three more movies to go, guys. Only three more to go. That's right. So let's get We're to the, the entire, entire Jaws <laughs> trilogy. <laughs> okay. Right. We got to do the lead up. We got to do the lead up. Jaws 1, Jaws 2, <laughs> and then Jaws 3. All right. Moving on in our craptastic journey, Jaws 3. alive today has survived millions of years of evolution it lives to kill a mindless eating machine that will attack and devour anything one terrified you like nothing you have ever experienced when it captured your imagination and tapped your fear like no movie before it then just when you thought it was safe to go back in the water. Two continued the legend and spread the fear. Next summer, nature's most terrifying creature takes on an all-new dimension in an all-new adventure. 
And for the first time, the terror of Jaws will not stop at the edge of the screen. Jaws 3D, the third dimension is terror. Oh, yes. Thank you. Jaws 3 is one hour and 39 minutes. It's rated PG. Wait. A P- yeah, yeah. Okay. Jaws movie? Yep. <laughs> you guys remember this being PG? 80s PG. 80s, 80s PG. PG is not real PG anymore. Would it be PG-13 today? I don't think this would be R. Uh, I'd say I, I still would be 13 because of I'd the... I'd say 13. This, this you guys think so with the, with, the, with the lingering arm thing and all that? Yeah. You guys? Yeah. Mm. You, you, you never... I don't think you see any blood. I don't think you see any like actual blood. There's I blood mean, in the water. See a carcass in the water, but you don't see any actual blood splatter, right? Yeah, I think it's true. blood splatter. Okay, yeah, true. all right. I'm a, yeah, I'm gonna give you that. All right, I agree. So continuing on, it is of the adventure, horror, and thriller genres. It is written by Richard Matheson and Carl Gottlieb, and is based on a story by Gordon Trueblood, which is ultimately based on the Jaws novel by Peter Benchley. It's directed by Joe Alves and stars Dennis Quaid, Bess Armstrong, and Louis Gossett Jr. Nominated for five Golden Raspberry Awards. <laughs> it didn't win any, but it was nominated. It included it was nominated for Worst Picture, Worst Director, Worst Supporting Actor for Gossett Jr., Worst New Star for Cindy and Sandy the Dolphins, and Worst Screenplay in 1983. How bad wow. you gotta be to rate the dolphins? The dolphins. Dolphins. Holy smokes. Raspberries, they were going for it back then, oh, huh? Bro. They were vicious. Bro. By the way, what does it say about nominating Louis Gossett Jr. when he's pretty much the same person in every single movie he ever does? <laughs> I don't think he, wait, I didn't think his character was deep enough to get nominated. Like, what does he do? Yeah. Really? I mean, come on. Right. <laughs> the shark, close the gate. We need money. He just talking that microphone a lot. That's it, man. That's it. Horrible. Horrible. Well, he had like a Southern accent in this movie, didn't he? It was like, I kind of picked up on Southern accent. He was, he was a borderline well, stereotype. You, you no. Know? Yeah, it was a, it was Southern accent. Which one of us are you talking to, me or Chris? No, I'm talking to you, Lee. You would know. If it oh was yeah, a Southern no, no. Accent. It was Southern. It was there was it was kind of forced, but it was there. Like a sweet Alabama. Chris, is North Carolina Southern accent or no? Yep, it is. They oh, have, it is Southern uh, accent. It's below oh, okay. the Mason Dixon line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I mean, right. to be fair, the Mason Dixon line starts in Maryland, so yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> I don't really think we can count the Mason Dixon line. I mean, I don't know. I've seen parts of Virginia. It's, it still counts. Made on a budget of $18 million, the film went on to gross $88 million and holds the record for the biggest opening weekend for any 3D movie until 2003's Spy Kids 3D. Released at the height of summer on July 22nd, Jaws 3D would cash in on the Jaws name, grossing $13 million in its opening weekend. Jaws 3D would dethrone the John Travolta dancing film Staying Alive from the top spot and crush the other two films that were released alongside it. Class, which was fourth at four and a half million, and the Michael Keaton classic Mr. Mom was 13th with $947,000. The top 10 for the weekend of July 22nd is a relative who's who of 80 cinematic classics. And here we go. At number 10, Flashdance, $1.9 million. It's in its 15th week. At nine, we had Superman 3 at $2 million in its sixth week. At eight, we had Octopussy at $2.7 million in its seventh week. 
At seven, we had War Games, $2.8 million in its eighth week. At six, we had Trading Places, $3.8 million in its seventh week. At five, we have the re-release of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs in its second week with $4.4 million. At number four, we have Class at $4.5 million. At number three, Return of the Jedi, $7.2 million in its ninth week. At number two, we had Staying Alive at $9.1 million for its second week. And Jaws 3D rounds it out at $13.4 million. Man, do you guys remember when movies would stay in theaters for more than three weeks? I'm tripping on the fact that yeah. we named the movie Octopussy, bro, and ain't nobody better than I about it. It's James Bond. James Bond. <laughs> Matter of fact. So only, you did so giggle. Did, I thought I heard you giggle. Yeah, what do you guys did? I I heard it. I heard it. I heard you giggle. I'm like, I'm like, somebody said, hey, Octopussy, that's it. And on, like, <laughs> on the poster and everything, man. On the poster and everything. I remember it vividly. But you know, you, even as a kid, I kind of thought it wasn't what, what I thought it was. <laughs> it was. It was. Yeah, I mean, right now there aren't they like so. It's right my now, favorite Roger Moore, the James Bond, Bond movie too. Uh, sure rights holders, whoever they are, they are editing all of those novels. What's it going to say, Octo Kitty? We're all kind of curious. Like, uh, what what are they going to change? Octo JJ? Octo Cat. It's like this is both my mind. Ages is wild, man. Oh yeah, nobody cared. But I'm seriously impressed about the staying power of, of 80s movies, right? Look at these damn movies. 15, 15 weeks flash dance still hanging in there. That's amazing. Yeah. I just, I can't believe they make it more than three weeks. It's like and nothing today makes it more than three weeks unless you're Top Gun. No, again, look at the, look at the diversity of the films on this list. We don't mm-hmm. see that anymore. That doesn't exist. No, yeah. it doesn't. Yeah. No, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Well, what did you say? Like E.T. was in its 50th week? <laughs> yeah, back for uh, May when uh, Space Hunter came out. Like, uh, e- geez. E.T. Dom- e. dominated the eight, uh, 1982 and then went into yeah. You know, like, oh, I got this too. Let me, let me <laughs> take care of this one. Cinematic masterpiece though, bro. Cinematic yeah. masterpiece, bro. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We do have somebody in our, our Facebook group who finds E.T. to be a horror movie. It's no. the It's the only movie of Spielberg's filmography that he says he thinks is a perfect film. So wow, he even says really? himself that he thinks it's a perfect movie. Yeah, he just said it on Stephen Colbert about two weeks ago. Wow, he's been getting very loose lipped lately. Yeah, he's at the end. Oh, right? yeah. What are you gonna do? Fourth quarter. Fourth quarter. <laughs> he, fable, right? he was like, oh, "Why not?" At fourth quarter, either you're gonna win the game, or you got such a lead that you can do whatever you want, or you're gonna lose, bro. It's... I feel yeah, like he's much. ahead of the game. I mean, he's but the greatest I, film I, director I of think all time. He, I think he handed the torch off to Tom Cruise. I would agree with that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he he like. He told Tom Cruise, right? It, you saved the movie industry with Top Gun Maverick. You saved the natural distribution. That. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that was his worst version of handing off the torch. Like, here you go. You got it. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm going to say all the things I always wanted to say and never could. There's only like two or three directors, man, that you just know it's going to be a good movie, even if it's not going to be like, you know, where we're now. And Spielberg's yeah. that, one of those guys, man. Yep. For me. For I me. absolutely agree. Absolutely. And Scorsese's the other one. Yep. Bye. I would still say Spielberg's Bye. the greatest of all time. You have to be in yeah, the mood for absolutely. Scorsese, though. You yeah, got to be do. in the mood for Scorsese. Yeah, and Scorsese's are always kind of the same movie. He loves the mobs, man. What yep. do you say? I mean, the yep. mob. So the movie sports a terrible Rotten Tomato score of 11% <laughs> and an even better audience score of 17%. Ranking it slightly below Kenny Crap Corner standards, normally we get a higher audience <laughs> score. Distributed by Universal Pictures, Jaws 3D is strangely not available anywhere for free, but is available wherever you get videos on demand. 
Although unless it's coming in some sort of box set with the other films, I tell you to save your $2.99 rental fee. So here's a quick setup regarding the film. All right, where to begin? All right. All right, so Dennis Quaid stars as Michael Brody, son of Amityville legend Chief Martin Brody, who you might remember from the first two films. Anyway, he works as an engineer alongside his biologist girlfriend Kay Morgan at SeaWorld in Florida. Apparently, it's the most dangerous place to work in all of Middle Florida. I think the park is planning for a grand opening of SeaWorld. I, I don't know. I think it's kind of odd because SeaWorld opened in Orlando in 1973, but maybe it's in a different part of the country. I don't know. The movie doesn't explain it, so just moving on here. Anyway, one night, a great white shark sneaks into the park's lagoon when the underwater gate gets stuck open. As you might guess, this shark has come to wreak havoc on everyone who sets foot in the water. As the body count starts to rise, Michael and Kay figure out that it's a shark causing all this chaos. Park's manager, Calvin Bouchard, originally wants to kill the beast, but is convinced that having a great white in captivity would be a much better business decision. After they catch the shark and put it in captivity, they realize that the shark is still a baby. Aww. And they must take care of it in order to survive. Meanwhile, the real danger is still in the water because... <gasps> Mama Shark is still in the lagoon. Baby Shark dies one day in captivity, and Mama Shark starts killing everyone. There's a lot of mayhem, but in the end, they're able to blow up the shark. Roll credits. We should charge people just for that. <laughs> 99 cents, you get the whole film. Boom. Boom. So I'm curious. That was really long, Kenny. I, much longer than I thought you were going to give me. Do you have a 10 peso version? Sure. Dun, 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 dun. Ah! I like that one better. Let's like use that, that one. one. Uh, cut the <laughs> cut the other one out. Let's just use that one. So as you might have guessed, there's a lot of drama of what happened to get this movie produced. The original producers of Jaws 1 and 2, David Brown and Richard Zanuck, must have realized that a third movie about a killer shark would be redundant or ridiculous because for the third installment, they pitched a spoof. The original idea would have been titled Jaws 3, People Zero, and the producers commissioned a script from John Hughes, yes, that John Hughes, and Todd Carroll. However, after a disagreement with the studio reportedly involving Spielberg threatening to walk out of his contract with Universal over the idea, they killed the idea with the official studio attitude stating, making a spoof would be like fouling in your own nest. What do you guys think? Should there have been a spoof, or do you like what we got? I think it was a spoof. <laughs> yeah, I, I think they didn't. That would have been much better. It but I love the title. I, I I wanted this title. Yeah, yeah, I want yeah. this title. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with me that. <laughs> Jaws three people zero. <laughs> John Hughes. Who, and then you would have followed up with, but who's counting? That's right. <laughs> well, Molly Ringwald would have been in it. That's right. <laughs> I mean, she she was on the come up right during that time. So yeah, she might was, maybe she was a muse. She was John Hughes's muse. So after Alan's Landsberg was brought in to replace the previous producers, he settled on Joe Alves, who was the production designer on the first two Jaws movies. This would be the only film that Alves would direct, effectively killing any dreams he might have of becoming a director. In a recent 2020 interview, Jesus. Alves announced that Universal had cut 20 minutes from the finished film, meaning that there's a director's cut of this movie. <laughs> Hashtag release the Alves cut. No. Yeah, that's right. No. <laughs> That poor guy. How did that? How did that it's just the work fish out? Swimming around. How did that work out? Like we need a director. Well, how about that guy? No, no, that that's the production designer, the guy that was designing all the costumes and shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, hey, you want a shot at this thing? Sure, I'll give it a go. 
It's funny you say that because that's how I felt that movie was created, bro. Like, that's how I mean. Look, it was that or Larry at the craft service table. Uh, that's right. Like, I, do. That's right. I felt that way. We're just scratching the surface because it's about to get a lot worse. All right. <laughs> like most projects involving IP, Jaws 3 had many writers attached, but the first draft and outline were written by legendary science fiction and horror writer Richard Matheson. Matheson is best known for novels such as I Am Legend, The Shrinking Man, and Hell House, and also became a prolific film and TV writer for several adaptations of his own books and a lengthy run on The Twilight Zone. Matheson passed away in 2013 from natural causes at the age of 87, and Universal Pictures insisted that Matheson's edition of Jaws 3 should include Brody's two sons as a link to the first two pictures, which Matheson said was, quote, dumb. In addition, they requested he write a role specifically for Mickey Rooney, and when Mickey Rooney turned out to not be available, the whole role was considered, quote, pointless. While two other writers got credit alongside Matheson's script, Matheson said in many interviews that the film was revised by many script doctors. As you might guess, Matheson was very unhappy with the finished film and was quoted as saying, quote, I'm a good storyteller and I wrote a good outline and a good script. And if they had done it right and if it had been directed by somebody who knew how to direct, I think it would have been an, ex an excellent film. Jaws 3D was the only thing Joe Alves ever directed. The man is a very skilled production designer, but as a director, no. And the so-called 3D just made the film look murky. It had no effect whatsoever. It was a waste of time, end quote. I wonder how he really felt. Yeah, I know. Sounds like this project was doomed from the start. Hard to believe that like, a lot, someone along the way thought this movie sounded like a great idea. Like, I just... <laughs> was everybody well, high on cocaine? It, when you say it in yes. very simple terms, right? The project, production designer is directing... A, a prolific sci-fi writer has written the script for this shark movie. Everything just sounds wrong from the get-go. <laughs> right? What else could like, I, And truthfully, he might say he wrote a good story. But what, what? there's nothing about him that makes me think he can write a prolific shark movie. I mean, we never got well, to well, see unless, the original unless, draft, so I have no Unless we don't idea. ever see the shark and we have to wonder, is the shark real? Is it not real? <laughs> is there a mystery here? Oh my you God, know, that does sound like a Matheson book, doesn't it? Yeah, yes. exactly. Was it all just in people's imaginations? <laughs> right. <laughs> kind of like that, Dell. That would have been a great Jaws 3 movie. Like, you know, people are dying. Movie we got. But do they have cramps or is it a shark? Dennis Quaid, Dennis Quaid <laughs> running around going, is it a shark? I don't know. <laughs> There's no proof, man. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So that's a good segue, Dell. Let's let's bring in to Dennis Quaid. All right. Dennis Quaid plays Mike Brody. Mike Brody is the son of Chief Brody from the first two films. Mike is an engineer at SeaWorld, and he's dating Cat Morgan, and he's our hero. And that's as deep as the character goes. <laughs> Quaid is an interesting person as he has leading man movie star looks, but after some rough years with substance abuse, he was moved into more of supporting roles. In fact, during the production of this film, Quaid said there wasn't a single frame in the film where he wasn't high. And when asked wow. if he I filmed it. Jaws 3D, he said, Jaws which? Huh? <laughs> Quaid has 104 <laughs> acting roles and is best known for The Day After Tomorrow, Frequency, Inner Space, and The Rookie. And Any Given Sunday. And Any Given Sunday. Knowing the get high part, now I, gotta, I have to go back <laughs> and rewatch knowing <laughs> that he's high. Makes a lot more <laughs> sense, doesn't it? <laughs> It's the only way to get through the script. Like, well, it, that's probably why. That's probably why he is. He actually did a good job in the film because he was high. high. He was taking it seriously. He didn't oh, understand. No. He it thought was there was a movie. shark. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So if they, so if they asked him, you know, hey, can you tell us about the time that you were chasing a shark? Oh yeah, oh, I didn't talk about it like it was a real event, right? So then you ask him about Jaws three, and he has no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I love Dennis Quaid, though. Yeah, that's really funny. Maybe, maybe he'll recall it as the time he worked at SeaWorld. <laughs> That's even funny. I like that story. <laughs> this one summer, I worked at SeaWorld and people kept dying. SeaWorld was in a different place back then. It was up against the ocean. I was a hero. I was regarded as a hero. I saved a lot of people. I love the way they make SeaWorld look like it's this vast underwater. I know, right? Like, it's not. It's, like, it's First of all, like Lee said, it's landlocked. It's in the middle of like... Florida. It's in right in the Orlando. middle. Yeah. It's in the middle of Orlando. Well, they just didn't show the part where the shark got over land <laughs> and then into land water, shark. and then yeah, you know, well, you know, I watched this movie where you can what erect a, a structure made of kelp. <laughs> kelp rich. What'd you watch? We will hunt Spon? your pride. We will hunt yeah, your yeah. pride. Well, now that we have a taste of lion, we're going to hunt your pride. <laughs> We yeah, if, if, if there was ever an endorsement that SeaWorld could take back, man, I promise you it would be Jaws 3. Dude. I wonder, that, that movie did not age, they, did, they did not age well, man. Did, <laughs> Especially did, they, the orcas. did they know that this was going to be a horror movie? Did, were, or were they just like, oh, you're going to make a, a movie about that's sharks? A, awesome. Yeah, I hear, buddy. Point. Yeah, I, I like that. I like that all of the tropes of the decade are there, too. Like the smart, helpful dolphin the evil eating shark. You know, like all these tropes that SeaWorld is trying desperately to make you believe weren't ever that they were kind of responsible for, right? Yeah. <laughs> that is an interesting point. All we miss is the killer whale. When they were talking about the new location, I thought about that. You know, you guys said a word. Maybe there was a location opening up and this was a whole market employee. Who knows? They don't ever explain what no. the heck is going on. <laughs> so... No, they really don't. But before we move on from Quaid, he's one of my favorite actors of all time. Even though he had some down periods, I always like the characters that he plays. I always find them interesting. They appeal to me. And he's one of those actors that as he gets older, he fits the roles that he's in, kind of like uh, Kevin Costner. I feel like he's gotten better as he's gotten older. Me too. He's definitely gotten I'll, I'll buy that. better. Yeah, I'll yeah. buy that. One of the most underrated movies I think that he's a star in is the movie Switchback with Danny Glover. Oh yeah, where he's hunting a serial killer. Bad, it's, bad guy, Danny Glover. Yeah, it, that's yeah. a really good film. I vaguely remember that. No, we'll do it next year for next year's. You're with the okay, majority. Great. Most people don't remember that movie. <laughs> All right, moving on. We have Bess Armstrong as Cat Morgan. Cat is a trainer at SeaWorld and is involved with Mike Brody. She cares about animals. Like Brody, that's as deep as the character goes. <laughs> Armstrong. Armstrong is mostly a character TV actor with over 78 acting roles. She is best known for this film, High Road to China, The Four Seasons, and is Patty Chase in My So-Called Life. Best kind of looked like a young Frances McDormand to me. And she has that, I've seen her in something look about her. You know, that's exactly what I thought when I saw her. Yeah, me too. I was like, I've seen her in something. It's an interesting comparison to McDormand. She does to me. She looks like a young Frances McDormand. Interesting. I don't think there ever was a young Frances McDormand. Oh, you like, think Betty, like White. Betty White? Betty White, yeah. 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 She went from, from her early 20s to 65. <laughs> <laughs> Menopause was rough back then in the 80s. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. 
Yeah, and that's <laughs> and and that's why that's why you have a female voice <laughs> on the show right there. I got that's nothing, why. dude. Because I can say that and you can't. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Next up, we have Lewis Gossett Jr. as Calvin Bouchard. Bouchard is in charge of the park. He's very important. Louis <laughs> Gossett Jr. is an Oscar winner and one of the most famous faces in Hollywood with over 70 years in TV and film and is still working today. He has 196 acting credits and is best known for Enemy Mine with Craig yeah. with Quaid, Jaws 3D, the TV show Roots, and as Sergeant Emil Foley in An Officer and a Gentleman where he won his Oscar. Digs Town. That'll always Iron be Eagle. my... Iron Eagle, right? Iron Eagle, yeah. Well, Iron that is Eagle. a movie that has not aged well. No, it has not. It's horrible. Horrible. Chappie. Dig- Chappie. <laughs> I loved Iron Eagle. I watched that so many times. I know. Try watching it today. No. <laughs> Try watching it. It's not good. I'm not Kenny. I not can't good. keep looking at them the same way. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, I, you know, I'd argue that Gossett Jr. has a lot more acting credits. He did a lot of stuff he went uncredited for. Yeah, I would that, I would agree with that. That 196 should look closer to 300. I would think well, so too. In the 80s, he was the black guy in the movie. A lot of times, yeah. Yeah. You know, and imagine him in the 60s. Yeah. He did a, he did a lot of bit parts that he just never got credit for. Did he Paying have hair dues, then? I guess. Huh? Did he have hair then? He never had hair. Nope. Never had hair. Never he had was born never bald. Yep. Born bald. I'm serious. Every time, I, every movie I've ever seen, him, I've ever seen him. he had hair. He had hair at one time, but it was always cut really low. I did like him in Digstown. I thought that was a good movie. It was That's good my movie. favorite Gossett Jr. role, Digstown. Cool. I love that movie. I'm gonna go with Lee. I, I would have to say Iron Eagle is probably my favorite Gossett role, but I I agree <laughs> yeah. it has not aged well. No, you guys need to watch it now and then come back <laughs> no. and tell me that. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm writing notes. I'm writing down notes, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I've been doing the whole time. You guys. Yeah, crazy, but, bro. but Louis Gossett Jr. is a person that I that I'd refer to as uh, comfort food, right? I I always like seeing the guy on film on TV. He's one of those actors that I enjoy seeing, even though he's the same guy in everything he does. You know what I liked him in Toy Soldiers. Remember oh, when he yeah, was the principal? Yeah. That was a yep. good movie. Yep. Yeah, that was a great book. Yeah, wow, of course you. you book? Bring, yeah, of course you. Of course, I read the book. There, there was a book for that. <laughs> yes, there was a book for that. Surprised you didn't dip into Richard Matheson when I mentioned it earlier. I thought you'd be all over. No. <laughs> all right. Finally, I have Leah Thompson as Kellyanne Bukowski. Yeah, Kellyanne Leah. is eye candy for Mike's brother, Sean, and is uh, one of the water skiers. She narrowly avoids getting eaten, but is injured in the movie. And that is Kellyanne Bukowski. So this is Leah Thompson's feature film debut, and she had to lie about her experience to get the job. She told producers she had been in lots of movies in order to secure her place in the film. Like Molly Ringwald, Leah Thompson went from 80s leading lady to exceptional character actor with 108 acting credits and is best known for Back to the Future, Caroline in the City, Some Kind of Wonderful, and Howard the Duck. On a personal note, I've met Leah Thompson and she is one of the kindest and most wonderful people I've ever met. During my incredibly horrible Back to the Future VIP experience, which I have told Dell at nauseum, <laughs> Thompson was the only one to make the autograph process personal. She talked to me for 10 minutes, gave me a hug, and even told me some personal experiences on the set of Back to the Future and Howard the Duck. She's an American treasure, and I'm happy she's still working. All I got out of that is she was hitting on you, and you were just too oblivious to freaking even see it. You know, you know Chris, if that had been true... I would have run away with Leah Thompson. <laughs> <laughs> I can vouch for that. 
She is still beautiful. Oh my goodness, so beautiful. I, I, I had a I had a crush on her up until weird, right? Till she put the makeup on and Back to the Future, bro. When she did that, I was like, nah. <laughs> I, just, I don't know what it was. I don't know what happened. But I was what, like, when she did the old lady, yeah, yeah, I was like, wow, man. really? You yeah, man. Admire you gotta admire a woman that is not <laughs> adverse to sleeping with a duck. You know, <laughs> she's adventurous. You give her that. Did but she I, sleep with Howard the Duck? Oh, she yeah. Did. Yeah. Yeah. She did. Oh, yeah. Really? She yep. had some quacky, quacky time. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yes, we call quacked. that the quick quack. They, they quacked very well. They did. Oh, that just, that couldn't have aged well. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Bestiality usually doesn't. Wow. <laughs> Only in the 80s, huh? Did she tell okay. you about that scene in, when you were talking to her? <laughs> no, no. And, she made and, out with a and she's so nice that nobody would bother to ask such a lewd no, was question. It, but... Was it weird with uh, with four guys working the puppet? <laughs> <laughs> How did you not laugh when that scene was being filmed? We didn't film that scene, Kenny. I keep telling you. It didn't happen. It was implied. Uh, All right. Now did that ruin your memory? <laughs> Thanks, though. Right. Yeah. Well, listen, I'd say let's do a scene, but this movie doesn't have what I would refer to as great yes. dialogue. Yes. From what? talking dolphins, cougar sounding sharks, lots of glub glub death and screaming, there wasn't any one scene I could grab. So, to give our listeners and those that have never seen this film a taste of this movie's great dialogue, here's two and a half minutes of some of its greatest hits. For your neatness, courtesy toward others, and above all, your southern grace. We enforce our dress code here, so keep your hair and nails trimmed. And please, don't alter your costumes. Once you've been fitted with your Sea World Guide apparel, the shorts are short enough. <laughs> Show any cheek and you'll be back shoveling french fries. Now, let's continue with our welcome speech again. All together now. Welcome to Sea World, the world's large marine This is for beers, you buy them? Ready? <laughs> My fly's open. <laughs> Not only a game of balance, it's a game of deception. Come on, I'll uh, I'll buy you two for the one you owe me. Okay. Whoa! 
any scenes that uh, made you guys unintentionally laugh or that you really enjoyed? I mean, I'll start. I love the scene where while transiting the underwater shark experience, the tourists stumble upon the dead body of the SeaWorld worker. And as a reaction shot, the little girl's face is pushed up against the glass next to the head and screamed. Oh my God. So I I do not, I did not remember that scene when I saw it. I I initially I thought, no, they couldn't have been what I thought it was. And I had to rewind it, watch it again. I was like, it is some rando dude pushing this girl's face into the glass to make it look like she's the dead body in the water. I watched the scene like three times. It is so funny. <laughs> that I have clipped it out and I am going to put it on TikTok. <laughs> oh God. It is hilarious. I just can't believe like when they were making this movie, whose idea was that? Oh, you don't be hilarious. Like some <laughs> random guy like shoved her face and look, look, they're like kissing, right? That's funny. It's funny. <laughs> and traumatize some eight-year-old girl, dude. I was like, who? It was ridiculous, man. <laughs> Could you imagine if that really happened today? Like if somebody that would be headline news. Like, we are on the search. We are looking for a man who shoved a little girl's face <laughs> into the glass with a dead body on the other side. Like, oh, that would God. be headline news, man. That would be Ooh. national news. And it, it would be blip in this movie. It wasn't even central to anything. It just happened and moved just on. happened. Right. I never recalled that until this latest watch. So, Kenny, if anything, thank you for that. That was worth it. A, I feel like they, they shot the scene like 50 times and somebody was like, you know what? Screw this. And just shot the she was just yeah, a like, like, I want to know what happened to this. And they girl. were like, that's a keeper. I, I know she thought the body was fake, but it looked pretty gruesome, right? Did that traumatize her? And like, was, did, did they promise her, no, we're going to do it in one take? One take, you keep your eyes closed. And then it was like, all right, we didn't get that one. Let's do that. By the 50th take, she's probably all like shaking. They're giving her shots of vodka to calm her down, send her home. Here's some Prozac. You know, it's the 80s, right? Here's some Prozac. You know, take this, calm down, go home. Don't tell your parents anything. Don't tell them nothing. Yeah, that sounds about right, man. Yeah, that sounds about right, yeah. yeah. Don't tell your parents. Yep. I'm going to have to find out, like, who who is she and where is she? What is she listed where as is in she? the credits? <laughs> she'd probably be an uncredited girl that's what she's <laughs> <laughs> uncredited traumatized girl traumatized right. child well you guys got anything is uh, it that bad this movie is responsible for my fear of the tunnel at SeaWorld so there is, so those of this you who have never been to this, 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 one, this, this one, movie, three, three of them, and this is the one that freaked you out. This is the one that, well, because I was traumatized. I wouldn't, so Jaws 1 traumatized me to the point where I would not swim in our swimming pool at night because I couldn't see my feet. Because in my mind, that made sense. Okay. Jaws 3, I don't know why I saw it. I must have seen it on TV because there's no way in hell I was going to a movie theater to see that. Um, Jaws 3, all I remember is that tunnel. So I had seen this movie. I remember that tunnel from SeaWorld. Now, for those of you who have not been to SeaWorld in Orlando, Florida, they have a tunnel that you walk through mm-hmm. and fish swim around you. Not just fish. Sharks. Sharks. Sharks swim around you. Now, I don't know about you, but that's my personal experience of hell. <laughs> that, that is what I imagine hell to be. What about movies like uh the Meg, right? Didn't the Meg also like bite the glass yeah, of one yeah, of those? Really wasn't the same. You know, it, it, it wasn't the same. And we kind of I was like, well, where, what where I'm at is did that give you the same feeling, you know, watching those scenes? Or is it just Jaws 3? Jaws. 
because Jaws is a real kind of shark. A great white shark exists in today's day and age. The Meg does not exist in today's day and age. Great white shark coming up out of the tank in SeaWorld and biting that little, that, that glass tube that my kid sure. makes me walk through. Well, I know you had to get over the swimming at night thing because you used to come over my house all the time and swim in the pool. So, like, <laughs> yeah, but but you were there, Kenny, and she just but push there were you down other if members I could happened. sacrifice. Oh, That's I right. see what it was. That's right. Glub glub, Kenny. You... Glub glub. <laughs> Kenny, <laughs> Kenny, don't you remember? We went to Orlando and we did that that thing that that Disney snorkeling thing, and I wouldn't get in the water because I oh, looked yeah. and saw sharks. That's right. Yep, I remember that. I, would, I refused to get in the water. They well, were it's like, great to have you on the show. <laughs> That's what I told him. I'm like, why are you doing this to me? dredge it all back up good job i mean right. you made it didn't you like you watched it this time yeah i, I know you couldn't have been I scared because it. it's so no, bad it's, it's, it is bad it is bad but I, I did make it through it yes but glad to stay here with us <laughs> i'm a survivor what can i say i'm a survivor we have our own support group i wash my hands with, with the moment our hopes really... what is the name of that support group i wonder <laughs> it can't be sharks anonymous that's that wouldn't fit <laughs> It can't be sharks. That's the name of the group. No, it no, can't no. be sharks. <laughs> People won Jaw Zero. There it is. It's called, I, I just can't remember the name. It was called the SSA, the Surviving Shark Attacks. There it is. It was an attack. Well, that's probably a real group, though, that one. <laughs> yeah, that one's probably real. Thanks, We're going to get hate mail Thanks, now. Right, right. <laughs> Thanks, Bill. Appreciate that. I'm not worried about the fact that the SSA support group is going to be looking well, for You me. know what? They're probably here. We, we got quite a few <laughs> shark attacks here on this island. Oh, yeah. So we do have a lot of shark attacks over here, at least. So just keep that in mind. That's why we don't go in past my ankles anymore. <laughs> that's a smart move. I don't. Although we did uh, have somebody get bitten with, they were only nope, like uh, ankle shut up. high in the water. Shut up. Shut what up. did Johnny used to call it? Paying your dues? Paying your if dues. You, that's if right. you went Paying out there dues. and you saw one, you came right back. <laughs> Paying your dues. <laughs> yep. I don't Nothing know how much enough. more we can extract out of this movie. Well, right that's okay. it. That's all well, there is. I tried to indulge in the sense of, you know, sacrifice my sense of believability, man. But where it lost me was... Uh, the shark, the fact that he even broke the glass tunnel with his nose, which is essentially everybody knows it's like the most sensitive part on the shark's body. I was like, okay, all right, I'm done. That was the moment. Out of all the atrocities of that movie, that was the point I was like, okay, I'm done with this movie. Man. So the like, fact I mean, that it only shark, had 20 the, minutes left to go after that. The, the fact they that the shark, the shark had a plan and a strategy, that didn't throw you off. <laughs> no, that, was that okay. didn't throw them. No, sharks are very intelligent. No, they're not. Is it like Deep Blue Sea with the smart shark? But that's okay because it was supposed to have been smarter. Listen, listen. They established the rules of the Jaws universe back in part one. Their sharks are intelligent. So I'll buy that. Right? I'll buy that because they established the rules. They established the rules. How else would it? How else would it? Did they give the shark an IQ test? The the sharks were intelligent. I don't remember Mr. Hooper ever saying that. How else would the, would the shark pretend like it's dead and then kill the guy? Well, I'll tell you, Quint, Quint didn't think the it's thing was shark was smart. And Quint, Quint thought died. he was going <laughs> to. Thank you. That's the end of the point. That's right. What happens when you underestimate he underestimated the shark. the shark? That's right. Okay. All right. I got you. All right. All right. I've tortured you guys long enough. Let's repeat this up. <laughs> Man, uh, I got a lot of problems with this movie. Only because the universe was already established. And I find it hard to believe that you survived two major shark attacks 
They don't even bring up the other two, and they want to capture a great whiteness random, not some chunk they've been tracking. Just hey, you throw him to the to the park. Let's trap him. That doesn't even make sense, bro. For me, <laughs> and the makeup was just horrible. All of the special effects was horrible. I felt like that when they were going over the list of distribution films, and they were like, "Hey, what about Shards? How much? We got another movie, Jaws three. How much money we got left? Uh, a couple hundred bucks to throw the Jaws." <laughs> That's how I feel about how the Jaws production went down. So for me, uh, it's a pause. It's a pause. pause okay. It's a pause. Hey, come on. I thought you were going to a pass. Nah, man, because it's worth a watch if you fold in laundry, doing other stuff. But <laughs> My <I> goodness. Would... <laughs> yeah. You know, there's an there's some irony in your in what you're saying, right? Because you talk about the production and the, the production designer is the guy directing the movie. <laughs> that means he wasn't productive. He wasn't producing. He was too busy <laughs> directing the movie. <laughs> There's a reason why quarterbacks aren't good coaches, bro, because they're quarterbacks. Yep. Uh, Doug Peterson says, hold my beer. That's right. Okay. <laughs> That's right. Someday Peyton Manning. That's right. All right, Lee, you're up. Well, Jaws 3 is certainly a movie about sharks. That much is clear. Um, overall, it's a cinematic event that leaves you questioning everything you know about sharks, water, and engineering. Uh, once... A shark treats unsuspecting vacationers like a Las Vegas buffet. They all seem to blend together. Um, Jaws 3 is a film that proves once and for all that sharks and amusement parks should not ever mix. I stand by that statement. Um, however, I can understand why some people would want to watch it over and over again. Even though it's not my thing, I'm going to give it a pause. What? Oh. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What's I'm talking about, man? <laughs> Is that the Plot end of twist. it? You got Plot anything twist. else? Is M. Night Shalomon. I can't Do believe it. it. I can't believe Stop it. Stop hey, it, kitty, kitty, kitty. You're supposed kitty. to be afraid Stop. of sharks. Uh, you're supposed oh, did to the clock get... stop? Did the clock oh, stop? It, did, it didn't stop. It's still going. It's still, it's still going. going. <gasps> Two hours strong. He almost said it with a, he almost said something positive about M. Night Shyamalan with Shyamalan. <laughs> out of the way, baby. That is interesting. That is interesting. You guys, uh, that's a Shyamalan twist for sure. That's me putting my personal feelings aside for the viewers. Liking. That's good. That's good objectivity, Lee. Good objectivity. I give you credit for that. Dell has no subjectivity. Here right, we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's Here like, go. the movie sucks. All right. So, so I will, I will have to caveat my three P. So before I do my three P on Jaws three, it's important that I tell you folks that I watched Jaws right after i had just watched space hunters all right so i need to make that clear space hunter space one hunter. singular space hunter. All right, <laughs> one whatever. guy in a sex spot that's right <laughs> one guy in a sex spot. space hunter one guy and a sex spot that should be on the poster right. so jaws 3 was a straight up money grab to capitalize on the 3d craze that had been review revived the film was designed to purely appeal to our 3d fantasies with many a gratuitous 3d shot that while cool looking in 3D, it looks horrible on the regular cut and kind of silly. Despite hosting one of my favorite actors of all time, Dennis Quaid, great actors could not save what is a terribly written film. A giant great white shark that somehow was smart enough to hide somewhere in the park and pop out every now and then to strategically kill people and outsmart the folks hunting her. I hate the smart shark trope, especially uh, in, in Deep Blue Sea. I just, I just don't like the smart shark. And while this movie wasn't that bad, it's still a hard pass for me. 
Fans of the Jaws series can rejoice because this one does nothing for the franchise. And if you haven't seen it, feel free to skip it. That's fair. That's that's a fair review. It was going. To, it was a lot worse. But then I watched Space Hunters, and that made. It <laughs> <laughs> I would I would like to point out that we didn't really discuss anything about the three D aspect of Jaws three D. It was good back then. What three D aspect? Yeah, that was. It there was, was good a floating fish head. Yeah, that was the other thing, man. Like it was in the beginning. Yeah, that was so dumb because sharks eat fish. Why was no, we afraid you about? You had to see the 3D version. You had yeah, to see when it. the it's, when the shark breaks the glass cool. with his nose, the glass flies at yeah. you. Like there's, it was there, cool. Yeah, it was for its day. That was kind of neat. Meh. If you say so. <laughs> Meh. Meh. Look at that. Look at that. Well, I'm gonna throw an M Night Shyamalan twist for you guys too. Here's my three P. Jaws 3 is a horrible, stupid adventure that I now remember why I don't rewatch it. In contrast, I'd love to tell you some amazing inner childhood thoughts of why I love this movie and something from the heart. Instead, this rewatch, I'm reminded that Jaws 3 is an awful film that traumatized my seven-year-old brain because of the English guy's death scene, and now my 40-year-old brain is traumatized by the terribleness that is this film. Once the nostalgia wears off of seeing young Dennis Quaid and Leah Thompson, you're left with shrieking dolphins, big cat sounding sharks, lack of action, a lack of dialogue, and 3D effects that can only be described as hokey at best. I'm giving Jaws 3D a pass. And I'm so <laughs> wow. sorry I made you all. No, 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 stop, stop, stop. <laughs> no, you gotta let him finish. You gotta let him finish. Let him finish. Let him finish. And then come at him. Let him finish. He's so upset he muted himself. <laughs> so I don't recommend anyone be subjected to this god-awful film. And you just decide the Jaws franchise ends at Jaws 2. If you're looking for a great trapped in a lake with an animal movie in 3D, I recommend 2003's Piranha 3D film instead. And now I will take Chris's accusations. He stopped the me. Kenny counter. He stopped the Kenny counter. The Kenny counter will officially stop. You yeah, muted yourself, muted. Chris. We can't Chris. hear you. Oh, okay, so we were at two hours and 19 minutes. And I know the show's not going to run that long, but that's how long we've been on the line together. Two hours and 19 minutes. And I'm going to tell you why I stopped you. This Is this not your birthday episode? <laughs> <laughs> this is your birthday episode. Hey, I can make mistakes too, man. Didn't we actually cut a third movie to no, review it, Jaws? It's, it's not a mistake. It's, so, these movies are all about his nostalgia. So That's all it is. So he can have, he, these are connected to his memories. Whether he likes them or not today, that's a different story. First of all, we don't need you to save him. He made the choice. He did with the consequences. <laughs> I, I just sacrificed an hour and thirty nine minutes of my life to watch this shit, and you gonna say you gonna give it a, a but you a pass? Like it. Yeah, it's a pass. Why are you gonna recommend a movie that you don't like? That is ridiculous. That is an oxymoron. That is, that is I, I don't understand, Kenny. I tried to ride with you on your birthday, man, but you always doing shit. I, just, I can't, man. You gonna recommend the movie I don't know that you don't you, like? Chris, but I'm having a great time now. You recommend a movie that you don't like? <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is as active as Chris has been all damn night. <laughs> I mean, I'll admit that I the thought betrayal, I remembered liking betrayal. this movie. I I thought I remembered, but then I watched it. It's so bad. I like I I kept reaching for my phone throughout the film. <laughs> that shit was horrible, bro. Bored, looking at the ceiling. Did, didn't you watch it more than once though? Yeah, I watched like, it three did, times right? because I needed it for the <laughs> podcast. 
Hey, man, how could you not like a movie where the grenade was conveniently uh, left in his mouth for him to blow him up at the end of the movie, bro? That was, that was just awesome. Wait, but, 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 but what the hell is a water grenade doing there? Like, what, why did they have a water grenade? What is a water grenade? <laughs> it was like, when that, when that happened, I said, that's some bullshit. And I felt like they were just tired of the movie themselves. All right, it's not in no. it. No, no. The worst, the worst part of that scene, Chris, was not the fact that there's a water grenade or whatever the hell a water grenade is. It's the fact that they went through the trouble of folding a piece of metal to make a hook and then like some weird, wacky, homemade shot showed the hook in the shark's mouth, like trying to hook the pin to pull it. It was so <laughs> I was laughing. Oh, no, no, no. I appreciated that. that think that's the first time we've ever seen a point of view from the tonsils of an animal. That is the first time. And I remember seeing it like, that was neat. Now I did appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, what, the shark doesn't close its mouth ever? It just swims around wide open? Well, you got no, no, you're not, you're not hearing me. It was the front of point of view of the tonsils. It's like the tonsils <laughs> watching. This is what the uvula sees. But I was cracking myself up. I was like, this is what the tonsils sees when the shark is eating. And, and you know what? Somebody on set, Probably thought it was a great idea. <laughs> is, you, know what you, you know what you never see in a shark movie? Tell you never see this point of view. You never, never seen like, it and have not seen it since. And dude, they had to wait. They had to wait 40 years for somebody to appreciate that shot. I wonder how they got the shark to open And it happened so right long. now on this show for the first time ever. Somebody appreciated that shot. That dude will hear about your comments and he will send you a letter thanking you for justifying his efforts. 40 years ago. I'm, listen, you got it. You Find Larry the craft it. service guy. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Larry. Maybe a movie you ever had that Well, they had to put somebody as cinematographer, right? It couldn't always right. be. You know, <laughs> move people around. I was like, this is what the Tonsil sees. But I thought that was an interesting... I mean, the way the movie was shot, that was an interesting point of view. I just... I thought That was the most interesting thing in the movie. What's interesting is both of your pauses. That's what's interesting. I find that really interesting. And they got really mad that I gave it back. <laughs> <laughs> so pissed at you. I am so, we actually cut a movie from this podcast so we could watch that damn movie. Oh, you no, know, we had three movies originally. Not, That's right. Yeah. There were it was three. So yeah. be lucky. You don't know what the, the you guys you guys didn't have to watch the third one. You know, my I think daughter might have wanted to. My daughter loves the children's museum. You ask my daughter any day of the week. She loves the children's museum. You ask her any day of the week, and she'll tell you she wants to go. So we go to the children's museum on Sunday. No lie. We get out the car. We get to the front door of the freaking museum. And she's like, Dad, I want to go home. I said, I said, Is that the way choose? you feel right now? Is that That's how I feel. Doing? You want to go home. Yeah. <laughs> like, you begged me all day to watch this shit. Then I watch it. And then you tell me. <laughs> You tell me that you don't like it. I, I mean, just, you wrote nothing down. I don't feel too bad. Like, it's, I, at least I mean, Lee like wrote notes and stuff. I, I just, I, I tried, I man. Through, I sat through childhood trauma oh, for you, man. Kenny. That's good. You, I mean, triggering really Lee, good, and you, for you to pass on it. You didn't even it's die really on that good. sword, but he dies on the space hunter sword. That's what I don't understand. <laughs> you die on that sword. This yeah. one you don't even get in the battlefield with. I don't, I don't understand it, man. He's going to tell yeah. his daughter next time, don't pull a Kenny on me. Don't pull a Kenny, <laughs> don't, 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 don't pull a Kenny on me. Man. Don't be that person. This guy, man. Gets, uh, and, and then his write-up was so eloquent. Then he says, I pass. <laughs> <laughs> Hard pass. Jesus Christ, bro. Jeez. <laughs> but you'll watch Breakdown Lane. 
that analogy. I is didn't priceless. like Blake Dunley. <laughs> yeah, he he was forced to watch that one. Yeah. We all were. Yeah, Which, you know, only, as, look, as, this as, movie, as it turns out, this movie would have been Lane. good if it had it, it, a better script. Yes, a better yes. director. Yes, better. <laughs> yes, better budget. <laughs> so like better cinematographer. Yeah. If it was just a totally different movie, it'd have been a better movie. Yeah. In history, right? it's like, yes, you can keep the shark. It's okay. Arnez's right. all-star breakdown lane three P. <laughs> and then, and then he gave it a play. And then he gave yes, it a play. That's right. A play. That's right. That's right. I don't, I don't think he understood exactly how that process worked. <laughs> I think he sort of did a little bit, a little bit. But then, but then Dell was curious. He was like, "I'm gonna watch it. I'm gonna see what this is all about." So then he watched it, and then they were, then they both looked at me. Okay, you gotta watch it now, Kenny. That's right. <laughs> but that's how it worked back then. If two people out of yeah. three watched it, the third person had to watch it. Well, here's <laughs> here's the funny part about Breakdown Lane. Even though it sounded horrible, which is one of those things, right? Like, oh, it smells horrible. Really? Let me smell it. It was one of those yeah, moments. It was. And I did, and his horrible review of it made sense. And that's what I told him. I said, you know what? I kind of see what you're saying. If it had a bigger budget, better writing, better special effects, better acting, better director, it would have been a good movie. It would have been Jaws 1, essentially. That's what you're saying. It would have been Jaws 1. But then he gave it a play. But then he gave it a play. Yeah, I kind of got it. I kind of got I see the potential in the film. Now, this Jaws 3, however, is none of that. This is just a bad movie. I love the analogy, Chris. I love it. I love it. And the and we keep the streak alive. The counter stopped. I like it. He almost made it a whole episode, dude. I was going to I was, I was I was you a beer, bro. I was, getting worried. You made it. I was getting worried. I was getting worried. I, I was waiting I for that. I thought he forgot about it. Yeah. No, it was going. We had the Shyamalan. He was about to say something positive about Shyamalan. Shyamalan. Well, it's a good thing you weren't on our last show. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Mm. <laughs> Take off your 3D glasses now. 3D glasses not included. All right. Well, this brings another Craptasversary birthday episode to a close. I want to thank my guests, Lee and Chris, for helping to make this birthday special and one I'll never forget. And yep. I appreciate can... you guys both on the show. It's It's been a while. It's been a while. It's not on purpose, by awesome. the way. There was None of you guys were suspended from the show. It's just sometimes we just don't have the time to coordinate a meet. Yeah. Time has been kind of weird lately for the both yeah. of us. And obviously, we have a good time when you guys are on the show. I mean, we we don't normally laugh this much. This is good. Yeah, it's good stuff. I feel, I feel like you gave me a beating as a child and not telling me why I got a whooping. <laughs> I'm supposed to just know what I did wrong. Like, you know what you did wrong. Like, what did I get a beating for? I'm trying to figure it out. But we, I, I mean, really, really enjoyed the show. I really enjoy hanging out with you guys, and I enjoy movies, man. It's, uh, it's always a pleasure coming down here. It's always fun being with you guys. I love being on the show. We so, love having you both. Love Lee's perspective, man. You guys need to have that. Uh, that that. Uh, it it really does bring a different dynamic to the show. It really that does. Estrogen view more often. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, Seriously. you made a good point, right? There's things you can say that we can't, exactly. and not that we, not that we think about menopause. We I would never bring up the comment, but you can say those kinds of things. And there's a demographic of our listeners that would appreciate a female perspective. I, I believe that. Yes, the well, you know, hey, I'll, I'll throw it out there. I mean, if you guys want to get to the theater quick and watch Cocaine Bear, we got that coming up I, next I week. I got to take a day off of work. You don't have to go to the movies now. I'm going to take a day off of work. Del knows he actually went to the theater to see this one. I did. It, did was, you? Date, it was date night. Yes, it was date night. Oh, awesome. good for you, yeah. Del. Yeah, it was cool. And, and of course, the one movie 
this that movie was the movie that I went to that I did not have any problems with any of the people in the theater. No cookie ask. monster, no noises, no stinky smells. <laughs> oh, no, no. Talking on the phone. Cookie, what's the it cookie monster? Bear. Somebody always, always brings a bag of cookies or chips and then tries to talk to Del during a movie. Every All time. All the time, Chris. Every time. I look time. like, apparently, the guy you want to talk to in the theater. Normally, it's me. So, so here's a hardship, though. <laughs> They'll bring in a grocery bag full of crap, right? Like snacks and candies and whatnot. And not once, not once did any of them in all the years that it's happened to me offer me something. You know how like Sun Chips has the noisiest bag on Earth? Yeah, it's like Mylar, right? They they bring in all of their Sun Chips and sit next to Dell. In in their defense, bro, it's the movie theater. We're going to assume that you're going to pay all that money for a ticket and get the snacks. Why would I offer you my snacks? That's a weird shit. Because if you're going to sit next to me and be noisy and talk to me and sprinkle chips on my lap, the least you can do is throw me a couple. Imagine a guy offering you some popcorn that you don't even know. You don't think that's a little weird? But why are they talking to me? It's Hawaii, off- man. It's a whole different world. I'm offering you popcorn out, out of my world, tub. Actually. You gonna put your hand in my popcorn tub, dude? Well, I just really? shake it, shake it in my hands. That's all. Shake it in my hand. Gross, man. That that can't <laughs> grow. Let's not take that one out of just lick it out of their hands. Like <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly you've got like giraffe tongue. Yeah, that's, right. yeah, that's, right. that's so gross. That's even better that's so giraffe gross, bro. tongue. That's gross, man. It's gross. It's gross, bro. <laughs> you guys, did you guys ever read that thing that happened in the nineties where you know dudes would cut the hole in the bottom of the popcorn? Oh my god, yeah. Oh yeah. No. That's what happened to yes. Dell. Dell be like, go ahead, reach yeah. in there and get some. No, go ahead. No, good popcorn's at the bottom. Good popcorn's at the bottom. Like, yeah. Like, reach around for it. <laughs> That's so gross, man. Uh, it is gross. That's right. <laughs> no, you got to pull harder. It's stuck. And you know what's even worse than that? Is that worse than get dirty? You still got to eat that popcorn. It has been a... <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's all like you jump. It's gross, man. It's uh, gross. See what you join, Lee. See that? There you go. <laughs> That's the like... testosterone part of the podcast right there. You gross know what? Boys. I, am, I am right at home with it. <laughs> I am right at home with it. Lee is uh, surrounded by boys. She's... She's uh, used to boy culture so much, she pees standing up. That's right. It's Yikes. really hard. I can write my name. Definitely a Floridian fact that we didn't have to know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See how that yeah. came full circle. Yeah. Look at that. Yeah. yeah. Full circle. Full circle, man. And basically, you can't have the fact you're from Florida for long. It basically comes out. <laughs> All right. I'm actually so- not from Florida. Oh, she's from Alabama. That's right. Mm. I know these things. Yeah. He said, mm, my, interesting. Mm. <laughs> Hence my mm. ride and die for Sweet Home Alabama. Horrible movie. It's a horrible movie. movie. It's a great movie. I would say movie. that's a that's a great uh statement for Reese Witherspoon to play a villain. <laughs> Thanks to everyone. See everyone next year when we once again will explore Kenny's crap corner. Thanks for listening and for myself. And Lee. And Chris. And Dell. This has been the Brothers in Armchairs podcast. Goodbye, everybody. Bye, y'all. See you later. Aloha. Okay, okay. You've had your fun. Let's, uh, we reviewed these horrendous films once again annually. It seems like you get me every single time, but uh, we're done. I've done what you wanted me to do. Now it's time. Open the door. Let us out. I mean, I wish I could, but uh, I kind of had an ulterior motive for locking you in here. 
but See, that was the ulterior motive. We we've done that. Uh, you, you might get upset, but there's one more thing. See, I I've been wanting to share these pictures from the vacation the wife and I took to the Caribbean, and you're always busy. Oh, so I thought, why not this do it now? Getting worse. This is getting worse. You know, I okay. So listen, we can do this some other time. It's just the it's the vacation photos. I'll check them out. Don't worry about it. We'll get to them. I got it. I got it. Let's see, I got to really set up a slide machine right here. We just then, went through all of these. The, it's freaking Space Hunter and the, the, the Jaws 3. Come don't on, worry. man. Don't worry, Dell. It won't take long. So here's our plan. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Well, you know what? You know what? Well, what the hell? Since you won't let me out, let's just get through this thing. All right. Whatever, man. Fine. All right. Whatever. Sure. Yeah. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be great. All right. So what do, what are we looking at? Is that a, is that a prop plane? Were you riding in a prop plane? What the hell was that? What were you doing in that death I mean, trap? Looks How like did you guys thing, ever make it back? It looks like the thing Launchpad McQuack drove, drove <laughs> on the Ducktales, doesn't it? It looks pretty cool. All yeah. right. All right. Let's let's get through this. It's a let's do plane, this. Ha, 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 ha.